It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, let's do this. Winnipeg Sports Talk time here. Uh, Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. Great to have everybody with us live on YouTube. And, of course, all of you making uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk part of your routine on podcast. Busy show today. Uh, We've got lots to get to. Uh, John Hodge is going to jump on from uh, Three Down Nation. We'll discuss the huge day for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and more big news around the Canadian Football League as the league's tampering period continues. So John's going to jump on. Of course, we'll dive into the Jets. Shutout loss at the hands of the Pittsburgh Penguins last night. Scott Billick coming on a little bit later. Uh, we'll also chop it up with Chris Meany of uh, FTN. Get his thoughts on the upcoming Super Bowl as well as a little bit of National Hockey League talk with him. And, you know, yesterday was a massive day for returns. Brady back, Dalton Schoen back. Great news today for you Hoops and Seabears fans because the MVP is back. Teddy Buckets re-signing with the Seabears. Teddy Allen will join us a little later on today on the program. So uh, lots to get to, including a phone hearing for one Brendan Dillon. And uh, we'll let you know about the latest on the waiver wire coming in just a second. First up, though, a huge thanks to the sponsors that make the show happen each and every day. Our friends at Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace and the Winnipeg Jets, Little Brown Jug, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Sport Manitoba, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Modern Man Barbershop, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course the gang over at Manitoba Battery. Again, welcome to everybody with us on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up button if you haven't already. And make sure you're subscribed to the channel and welcome to you, Michael Remus. What's going on? Feeling good, Hus. We had it's been a busy week for uh, re-signings. You mentioned the Bombers with two, and now the Sea Bears announcing that uh, Teddy Allen's back. One second, let me turn my lights on. Yeah, I'm busy calling that. Busy cutting all these uh, clips <laughs> here. This uh, Brady Alvarez back. Spoke to the media today in a Zoom call, and yeah, Teddy Allen and the Jets are back too. Yesterday, nice to have some hockey back. My my Tuesday night routine has returned. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a little. A little anticlimactic, if you will, in that everyone was so excited to see the team back together and uh, out there pretty much healthy. The new guy uh, in the middle of uh, Ehlers and uh, Perfetti. And uh, they just weren't able to score. (laughs) And uh, that, unfortunately, has been a bit of a theme for the club going into the break, Reem. And as we'll hear from Rick Bonus, I mean, he wasn't, extremely critical of the way that his team played, although I, as we'll get into it, I didn't love the start of the club, although I thought they really did push in the third period. But I mean, man, once again, special teams playing a massive role in a loss for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, But you can dig in a lot of different ways. If you don't score, you don't win. And uh, the Jets had a goose egg to show for 60 minutes last night. Yeah, we're just kind of saying a lot of the same things over and over again. 
and it came down to special teams. You know, they get the first goal. Uh, Morrissey throws it up the middle, bounces off Lowry's stick right to Latang, makes a move to the middle, and maybe surprised with that backhand. But it's all about special teams. Uh, the key turning point was the Brendan Dillon head, and I'm sure we'll be spending a lot of time talking about that. But the bottom line was they you got a five minute, you know, five minute penalty, and the Jets allowed two power play goals. And on their own power plays, the Jets went 0 for 2. And so many games this year where the Jets have lost, we're like, oh, well, they played great at 5 on 5. I think they were, they were okay yesterday. It wasn't great, but the difference was special teams. And that's something we've said again and again. And Mike asked Rick Bonus, and he just said, you know, we'll get better. But I don't know, we're half, halfway through the season, and it, we've been saying this all year. The power play just has let them down over. And over again, so we'll see what happens going forward. But uh, it's certainly disappointing from that front, in terms of uh, you know the special team losing the special teams battle. Yeah, well, I'm listening. You know, Rob Pepper. By the way, Rob's joining. I think he's down in Mexico. Shout out to you, my friend. Hopefully, you're having a great time down there in the in the uh, sun, and glad you're making time to still join us here in the peg. Like the offense has to get going. I think that goes without saying. And special teams, you know, continues to be uh, could be a real issue for this club. I mean, did we expect Sean Monaghan just to get dropped into the lineup and all of a sudden everything turns around overnight? Probably not. Um, but I mean, it was. And I'll be honest, I felt I felt bad for the PK because I thought for that match penalty, I think they went the first three oh four up to a break, and I thought they did a great job of keeping Pittsburgh to the outside, winning puck battles, getting it back to the other end. But sort of as has been the case for the Winnipeg Jets a, a lot of the time this year, you know, a, a, a bad break or so um, just ends up in the back of your net. And I think both of those goals that were scored on the power play was credit to Pittsburgh for taking advantage of sort of an unexpected turn. One was sort of a whiff that went right to a player on the corner. And the other was a deflection that went to a guy that made a great play to put it in net. And the guy tapped it in and Hellebuck had no chance. So a little bit of misfortune for the PK. Um, and on a five minute power play, you got to be consistent for the, uh, for the entire five minutes. I really like the way they started. Unfortunately though, uh, a couple of them went in and then credit to Pittsburgh. I thought in the second period, particularly when they had that lead, they weren't letting the jets do much. The Jets were having a tough time breaking out as quickly and efficiently as they normally do. Um, but we saw a lot of good things in the third period. Unfortunately, we also saw a lot of good things from Tristan Jari, who just simply shut the door. Yeah, who Adam Lowry had a chance there in the third period. Nemestikov hit a really good one in close at the end of the first, and the Jets did score. Unfortunately, it was uh, disallowed and maybe one of the quicker offside reviews. We've ever seen as much as I hate offside yeah. review. And I actually still don't like that because, I mean, they entered this. This is why offside review is like so dumb. Like, how long after the initial offside do you need to blow the whistle? I mean, we've done this review, every single review, it's like this close. I think we've determined the officials are pretty good, except for some uh, pretty egregious ones. That one, you know, Kyle Connor makes a, a little move at the line. Velarde slides over, and it was pretty clear uh, for them to overturn it for the Jets, unfortunately. Otherwise, mm -hmm. You know, that that stands. I mean, they have a power play right after. Now, the power play hasn't been very good. So, you know, yeah. maybe they wouldn't have scored on it. But, hey, you're down 3-1. Still have time left to, to make a comeback. They, you know, they tried and uh, were not able to. And, yeah, I think in this first game back from the break, you know, a lot of low-scoring games 
um, yesterday. Yes, I think teams are starting to get in, and, and even on uh, Tuesday's game, no, sorry, Monday, it was a Monday, they had the two games, again, pretty low scoring, like, not great. So they'll get back into it, although, bottom again, bottom line, four-game losing streak, and you're having trouble scoring. Mark Shafley's back, you're supposed to be able to... <laughs> You know, score some goals here. You can't win if you don't score. And you got the new center in Sean Monahan. He did. Uh, I saw Connor tweeting. He won his first face-off as a Jet. That's the where were you when it happened kind of moment. <laughs> first brought in to win face-offs. And uh, he won the first one. So hopefully many more for Monahan. But also you'd like to see, see them put some points on the board. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as Monahan goes, I, I, I thought he looked pretty good. I mean, uh, you know, coming in, a new team, first game. Uh, I thought he, Nikolai Ehlers, and Cole Perfetti, uh, you know, uh, did generate some uh, some offense. And I'll tell you what, I, I know that there's no goals to show for it, um, but I really like what Mark Shifley uh, did last night. I, I thought Shifley in particular, well, he stood out on that line. I mean, Kyle Connor is always noticeable, but already less so, although obviously he was quite noticeable on the, uh, <laughs> the goal that was called back for offside. Um, but... Not a lot of rust on Shife. Um, he was, uh, he, listen, he, he looked like he was very, very excited to be back in the lineup, had a real burst. And, you know, if it wasn't for things like a five-minute penalty keeping him off the ice, you would have thought that uh, there might be more to it. And, of course, he scored the goal that ended up getting taken uh, taken off the board. But let's get into this hit with uh, on Brendan Dillon. And before we talk about it, we'll do the why not question of the day for not Autocorp, but Waverly and McGillivray suspension suspendable or not suspendable we of course is getting a phone hearing so we'll find out as soon as to what if any supplemental discipline brendan dillon gets uh but this was a, and i get it fans all have their takes and you know you know some will naturally side with the team or the player of the team that they cheer for reem but if you went on social media yesterday after the game and even today um, there's a lot of people in hockey that have no skin in the game, not connected to the Jets, that you know are not necessarily saying that that should be an automatic game or two from uh, the DPOS. A lot of people have an opinion on the play, and it was a penalty. You can't uh, check a guy in the head. Uh, Marat tweeting out Rule 48, a legal check to the head, a hit resulting in contact with an opponent's head where the head was the main point of contact and such contact to the head was avoidable, is not permitted. And the match penalty is at the ref's discretion. If, in his judgment, the player attempted to or deliberately injured his opponent with an illegal check to the head. So the refs determined that was the case and they gave the match penalty. But I had an, you know, we've seen Brandon Dillon play for his time here at the Jets. He's been suspended once, that was in 2017. I don't think he's a dirty player. I don't think he's trying to injure guys. I think this was a play where, to me, he went and got in position to make a hit. Um, he did, you know, I thought he checked a couple boxes. He didn't launch himself upwards. He didn't jump into the hit. He didn't raise his elbow at the guy's head like Brendan Gallagher did. Um, he tried to line up a hit, and he hit the guy's head. You know, the game moves fast. Nolachari is a smaller player. He's skating through the neutral zone. He's got his head down. It's a bang-bang play. Um, and he missed. I think it's unfortunate. I didn't think there was intent to injure. I didn't, you know, it looked a lot worse because the helmet went flying. And yes, he did hit him, hit him in the head as well. But I didn't think 
he's going out there trying to, I think he tried to line up a hit and, and he missed. And I didn't think it was like the dirtiest thing I had ever seen. Or, no, or you no, know, because no. there's so much hyperbole out there. It's like, yeah. oh, this is so terrible. I didn't think it was, it was the worst thing ever. It was, you know, it was unfortunate result. I thought his process was, was okay. Yeah, I, listen, I, I mean, I tweeted out afterwards. I was pretty sure that uh, DPOS was going to be on line one for Dylan afterwards. And part of it was just the optics of it. I mean, when you make con- a connection like that in the head and the guy's helmet flies two feet up in the air yeah. and then he's down and can't get up, I mean, you pretty much know what's coming. Um, it was a little unfortunate. And uh, there's many people that are saying that, you know, part of this has to be um, you know, has to be on the player. Like five, six years ago, you would not see a guy flying around leading with his head. I mean, if that was in the NFL, Achari might have gotten 15 yards for leading with the head, <laughs> with the tackle. Um, and, you know, in some ways, you know, those speed skaters where they're going, they put their arms back and they just lean out. I mean, that's sort of what it was. Um, but again, the onus now in hockey is to not make contact with the head. And listen, things happen very fast in a split second. But when that happens, I mean, they're going to err on the side of caution. I think, you know, years ago, that probably wouldn't have been a five-minute match penalty. And I'm still not sure that it was a match in the the way it's described in an attempt to injure. But we know about head injuries. We know how important it is for the National Hockey League to try to get those out. And when you have a collision like that, even if there was no malice and it certainly wasn't trying to do it, um, the guy's going to probably get kicked out. You're going to probably be on the PK for five minutes and you're probably getting a call from George Peros and the gang. And that's where uh, that's where it goes today. I mean, I, I don't expect a lengthy suspension for this. Like, I think that he, I think the max we're going to hear is two games. And I think it might be one game. And it does maybe bode well for Brendan Dillon that he will not be treated as a repeat offender. He's got one suspension. It was in 2017, so a long time ago, so technically a clear record. Um, but again, the visual of that, uh, as I think we all agreed that this wasn't a sadistic move by Brendan Dillon trying to take a guy's head off, but his initial contact was with the head. The guy was hurt. The helmet went flying. I don't. I wasn't at all surprised to hear he was getting a phone hearing today. Yeah, and uh, I'm just going through the chat here, and I was mentioning this to you before the show. Kevin Kowalik in chat says, Brendan Smith could have been suspended on the Bedard hit. Remember, Bedard got hit in the head going through the middle with his head down earlier and broke his jaw. And he says, because, you know, that hit, there was no suspension. You know, maybe Dylan gets... Get zero. I mean, Bedard broke it's his jaw. It's not ju- for sure. It's not for sure and, that he gets a suspension here, and especially like, considering he did get the five minute in the match and kicked mm-hmm. out of the game last night. And even the, uh, Bedard's coach after that said, "You know, this is a you know teachable moment for him while going through the middle with their head down." And again, he he got the match. He got the five. You need to give him more. And there's been a lot of you know you go on social media, a lot of wide ranging opinions uh, on the head as well. And I mean, if you watch it, it almost looked like Dylan went in there and Achari just, you know, skated into him. I don't think it was the most mouse. But, yeah, the optics of the helmet flying off, um, trying to get up and not getting up. You know, they do go by the result. And who was it in here in chat? I think it was uh, Todd for 10. He says, not deliberate or targeted, but the head was the first point of contact and 
Player safety calls never seem to favor us. And that's the Jets fans' opinion about the relationship with player safety. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, we'll wait and see what happens here. Hopefully it comes out during the show so we can talk about it and not, yeah, we'll I mean, not at 3.05 or whenever we end. A, a little bit of Jets news, um, though, uh, coming out of the uh, just the top of the hour. Uh, Axel Janssen Fialbi cleared waivers. So Axel's still in the mix. He'll be assigned to the Manitoba Moose and will be uh, a player potentially down the road. Um, depending on what happens with the roster, if he's needed. So uh, nice to see Axel still with the organization. I know there was many people. I mean, I've loved his game at times this year. I mean, I thought he's really been, you know, a nice addition to that fourth line when the team needed him. And, uh, you know, uh, probably be a black ace, go well come playoff time. But if they need someone with wheels to kill penalties, um, he's still in the mix, as opposed to uh, Declan Chisholm, of course, who got picked up off waivers last week by the Minnesota Wild. Um, let's hear what Bones had to say about last night. Uh, we'll start it off with uh, Bones's thoughts on the Dylan hit uh, and then the fact that Pittsburgh was able to pop two in the power play after Dylan had been ejected. Well, let's see. I get the referees made the call, and uh, unfortunately it didn't go our way with that call. And um, yeah, You know, the second power play goal is kind of a broken play, but that's hockey, and... Uh, you, you know, you fight through it. How did you feel your team, I guess, handled then getting down 3 nothing? You know, and now you're down to defensemen too. Uh. Yeah, it's another game where we're playing too much with five defensemen, but again, that's hockey. We had, we had enough good looks to crawl back into that game, and the, the similarity of the four games right now is our inability to score. We're not getting outworked. We're not getting outplayed. We're just we're just not scoring right now. The offense is a little bit out of sync. Mark needs a couple of games. Sean needs a couple of games. We're going to be fine. We'll be all right. All right, uh, Bones, all positive after the game. Um, uh, here's Bones on just the team starting slow after a break, and we mentioned they were uh, – on the wrong end of the shot clock in uh, a big way for the majority of the first period. Um, it was like the last the games I saw last night. The first period was sloppy, and everybody's a little bit out of sync as the game went on. Um, the energy picked up, and uh, uh, yeah, it just it, we got better as the game went on. We had some great shifts. We just didn't capitalize on the chances we had. Um, they did have some nice shifts at five on five. They did get some chances. Tristan Jari made some good saves. Cannot say the same for the power play. And uh, Mike McIntyre asked Bones about the struggling power play and what he saw last night on uh, a, a couple of opportunities that did certainly nothing to give the Jets any momentum moving forward. The Nina Ryder unit both times because maybe Mark Mark's line was out there. Yeah. Did you would you have considered maybe even using a timeout to to, to start them or you're you're comfortable? No, I'm com- we're comfortable with that group. So we're they they've been they've been good all year. So no, we don't need a timeout there. One way or the other, that Mark they're going to play about a minute each out there. Yeah. So um, there was no need to call that. It just, we knew they were going to get out there and they're going to have enough time to get something going. And on paper, you'll see another 0 for 9 on the two small, very small sides. But did you see any signs tonight, I guess, on the power play? Uh, well, again, you know, you're, you're throwing groups together. Uh, yeah. That, it, it'll get better. It'll get better. It has to get better. <laughs> uh, that certainly is something that the Winnipeg Jets need more from special teams, but especially that uh, that power play. One more from Bones. Uh, here's just his thoughts on the debut of Sean Monaghan. 
I liked his game. I liked his game. He uses his wingers well. He makes really smart plays with the puck. He's reliable. And uh, no, I, I again for his first game, and again after a break, uh, very happy with his game. All right, so there is uh, Rick Bonus. Um, uh, let us know in the chat. Interested in what people's first impression of Sean Monahan was last night? I mean, obviously he didn't stand out. Um, but paying attention, I mean, I think some of the things that Rick mentioned, certainly a smart player. Um, you know, I, I think there was a few shifts where they spent a good amount of time in the opposition zone. And I did see some real potential with Perfetti, who I thought was good when he was out, and Nikolai Ehlers, who again was dangerous at times last night. Yeah, there, you know, we'll have to wait and see. It's just one game, Hus, after the break. They'll get back at it tomorrow. I mean,. And say yeah, they played well. Yeah, they didn't score. I mean, you got to not going to win any games like that. And uh, we know these guys are talented; they can create. But got to figure out a way to put uh, pucks in the back. Then it's been a struggle. We thought you know putting Mark Shafley in would fix everything. Uh, not not the case. Well, at least for yesterday. We'll wait and see for tomorrow. They did practice this morning. Us uh, rocking the same lines as before. And you mentioned Axel uh, clearing waivers down to the Manitoba Moose. Hey, speaking of Mark Scheifele, let's quickly hear from 55. Uh, he did look dangerous at times last night. Didn't end up, uh, well, didn't end up scoring any goals that actually stayed on the scoreboard. Uh, but here's Mark Scheifele on uh, returning to the lineup and uh, the tough loss last night in Pitt. Yeah, we had a ton of good looks. You know, he made some big saves. <clears throat> they blocked a lot of shots, had some good sticks. So I don't think that's anything to get frustrated about. We've made a lot of good plays. We made a lot of good entries. Um, nothing to be frustrated about there. On your uh, what looked like a goal there, did you have a sense at all on the entry that it might have been? Yeah, I, I knew it was close. Um, so I even asked. I was like, "Is that was that offside in the pile?" But <clears throat> obviously, it was. Yeah, and I'm looking how that game played out. Did you guys like much of your first period? Seemed like maybe the first ten minutes or so, uh, not a whole lot there. Yeah, it was. You know, they're, uh, you know, early on, it was, everyone's a little bit rusty coming off the break, so that was kind of be, to be expected. We have, we had, we still had good looks. We still had some good ozone time and, you know, really, you know, didn't give them a whole lot other than, you know, obviously on the, uh, that long power play. Right. So, um, you know, it's something to definitely be positive about. You know, we, we took the game to them, um, you know, when we were down and, and showed some resilience and got some chances and, you know, obviously had that one that got called back and could have changed the game, but, um, you know, we just, it's, it's after the break, so to be expected, and we just got to keep rolling. There's, uh, there's 55 uh, back in the lineup tonight, uh, liking a lot of things, uh, just not liking the result and not liking the fact that they weren't able to score. Here's one more for Shifley, who, of course, was not in the lineup last week, but uh, Mark was asked about uh, four straight losses right now for the Winnipeg Jets. That stat means absolutely nothing. It's just, you know, we... You know, we just came off an eight or nine day break, so that's nothing to, to think about at all. It's you know, we, we had a lot of good chances tonight. Um, you know, a new player in our lineup, a lot of a lot of new looks, and um, going down to five D. You know, early in a game like that is is obviously tough, but we, we made a lot of good plays and um, don't spend much time thinking about those stupid stats. I just want on you. Uh, how'd you feel out there? Uh, it's your first game in quite a while with that break built in. It felt great. All right, felt great and did not want to hear anything about, and I will say there are many stats that I think people give too much much credence to. 
wins and losses is actually a pretty important stat. So, <laughs> uh, but listen, I like the defiance of Mark and uh, the confidence that the team's had. Certainly all positive. You can't be panicking coming out of your first game back from a break. However, I imagine this will be a focused team today, having practiced already and looking uh, at an important game against Philly, who came out of the break. They were on a five-game losing streak heading into the break. They had a big win last night, a big upset win last night down in South Florida over the Panthers. So should be a good one. We'll get to that tomorrow. Um, listen, we are going to focus in on uh, the big day for the Bombers yesterday and everything else happening around the Canadian Football League for a few minutes. John Hodge coming up, and then we'll get back to the Winnipeg Jets when Billick jumps on in about 15 or 20 minutes. Um, do want to thank everyone that jumped on tickets for the Canadian Whiskey Masterclass with the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival Canadian Club and Winnipeg Sports Talk. I believe we're officially sold out. We we'll look forward to seeing you all on February 29th down at the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. And we will let you know um, if any more tickets come available. And if they do, we'll uh, make sure to uh, put them out to Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners first. But uh, big thanks to uh, James and the Gang Canadian Club and looking forward to seeing you all there on the 27th. Um, looking also forward to uh, seeing our friends at Manitoba Battery at their new location over on Dover Court. February's here and we are counting down the days until Manitoba Battery opens their second location. A little bit easier to, for folks to get to in the south side. But again, when you deliver any battery purchase over 60 bucks anywhere inside the perimeter for free, maybe the location doesn't matter that much. There will be some grand opening specials and more, which we'll let you know. Uh, but when it comes to batteries, of all makes, models, sizes for whatever you need, Manitoba Battery is the spot to go. Best prices in town, beating the pants off the big box stores. And as I mentioned, free delivery citywide with any purchase over 60 bucks for all your battery needs. Talk to Donnie and his great staff, manitobabattery.com and 204-783-8787. And uh, we've had a bunch of press conferences uh, lately. And uh, obviously when you're doing a big date like that, you want to be looking good. If you need to look good, clean it up a little bit. Head on down to one of the eight modern man barber shops in Winnipeg now with eight locations conveniently located all around the city, including the newest locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern man has you covered guys with a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can book your look via modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow on Instagram as well over at Modern Man Barber Shops. All right. What a crazy day it was. If you were watching with us live on Winnipeg Sports Talk, we started the show talking about Brady Oliveira returning to the Blue Bombers. We finished the show with the news that Dalton Schoen was back. And listen, if you'd listened to our conversations with a number of guests, I don't think many of us had both guys coming back uh, at the same number on the bingo card, but Kyle Walters did it again. Let's talk about it with John Hodge, a three down nation. John, what's up? It's great to have you back on WST. Thanks for having me, Huss. Uh, crazy day yesterday. Walters magic. Um, first off, how surprised were you that Brady Oliveira and Dalton Schoen are back in blue and gold next season? And how did Kyle Walters do it? I am surprised to see at least Dalton Schoen back. Brady Oliveira, I think I was always expecting to be back. Mm -hmm. Though, interestingly, this morning, he did kind of confirm 
that this wasn't a foregone conclusion because I have seen that speculation out there on social media. Oh, Brady Oliveira was never going. Well, that's not what Brady told the media this morning. He said, look, you know, my agent and I played the game just as every player should when looking to maximize their value, which I don't think there's anything wrong with doing. He's 26 years old. He's an award-winning running back coming off a 2,000 yards from scrimmage season in 2023. It's his right to try to maximize his value. And he did end up leaving some money on the table. My colleague, Justin Dunk, a three down nation reporting that he was offered $275,000 a season by the Hamilton Tiger cats. The BC lions also made a very significant offer. He ended up coming back to Winnipeg for two thirty. but he did say that the communication between him and the club went very quiet at times over the last couple of months. And let's also remember Brady is not in a situation like other free agents around the league who had to wait to the communications window to talk to teams around the league. Brady's been able to talk to the Bombers since really always, right? He's been with this team for five years. There was no point at which the negotiations had to wait to start. He did also call this a stressful process and a roller coaster of a process, one that that wasn't always easy to navigate. He did think that there was a possibility, as much as he wanted to be back at Bomberland, that he would leave. The Schoen thing is more surprising to me because what I was told about Dalton Schoen is that he was looking for him and his camp $300,000 a year and that they might be willing to sign on for two eighty-five. dollars The Bombers' initial offer was well below that. They didn't up their offer over the last several weeks, as I understand, coming in at about two twenty, dollars and they ended up coming up to two thirty dollars at the very end to get that deal done. Now, I understand that for Schoen, the market wasn't as hot as him and his camp maybe hoped it would be. I don't believe he received any offers over 250, which is maybe why the Bombers were able to get close to that number. Again, I don't think they had the highest number, but we'll have to ask Dalton Schoen about that in detail this afternoon when he talked to the media via Zoom. You know, uh, uh, John, I mean, it was uh, it was natural for us yesterday, especially when the numbers came out to sort of compare yesterday for the Bombers to Thanksgiving Day for the Jets, where kind of out of the blue, Hellebuck and Shifley re-signed identical deals. I mean, I know Brady's getting 240 for year two, but in year one, they're both making 230. Um, Brady, talk at all about Schoen coming back, and, you know, were they at all working in concert? Um, because it, it it is somewhat, I guess, maybe it's a coincidence, but interesting how the top two priorities for the Bombers free agency-wise, both came in at the same number, with both of them apparently leaving some money on the table elsewhere. I do think he was in communication with Dalton. I'd have to review my notes. I don't want to speak out of turn in detail. I know he did say somebody he was in constant communication with was A.J. Olette, running back, pending free agent from Toronto, who's had an agreement now in place for a day with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders as they looked to kind of reset the running back uh, pay grade, so to speak, right? The running back, especially in the NFL, is a position that has seen its value diminish over the last number of years. And that's something Brady talked about. As he said, there's lots of guys who are only touching the ball three, four times a game who are getting paid boatloads of money. And there's lots of running backs who are touching it 15 or 20 times a game. And they got a scratch and claw for every dime that they could possibly get. Uh, as for Sean, I mean, again, we have to wait to talk to him this afternoon. But I, I know it was extremely important for Zach Kolaris to get Dalton Schoen back. Like Dalton Schoen, I, I don't want to speak for Zach, but he was certainly near the top of the list, possibly at the top of the list for players he wanted to get back in Bomberland. And I don't think it's a coincidence, Huss, that Schoen only signing a one-year deal 
means that him and Kenny Lawler are going to come up at the same time next season. And if I'm the Bombers, this is speculation, but I'm going to try to get them matching deals. This year, Kenny Lawler is going to make 285. He is still by far and away the number two highest paid receiver in the CFL, Dalton at 230. I'm sure the Bombers are going to make an effort to try to keep those numbers the same and then keep those numbers, or I should say, keep them the same as in make them the same, pay them the same amount of money, not dissimilar to what the Jets did, of course, the Shifley and Hellebuck with those two kind of matching deals and keep both of the receivers for 2025 when, of course, this team will be hosting the Grey Cup at Princess Auto Stadium. So that was the good news, John. Um, Brady's back. Dalton Schoen's back. Comes at a significant cost, even with the offers that were there around the league. Um, but we knew that there would be some players leaving. And we've seen Jamarcus Hardrick and now Dietrich Nichols take or come to agreements on uh, pretty juicy terms with teams elsewhere in the division. Um, when you look at the Bomber roster right now with the guys that are back, guys that are pending and guys that have left, where do you think Kyle Walters will be focusing in conversations with people elsewhere around the league or in conversations with Danny Mack and Teddy Gavaya saying, we need some guys to come in and replace some important players on the club. Sorry, I think you said Dietrich Nichols there, Huss. I think you're talking about Demario Houston. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all good. I and think by the, the way, bomber <laughs> was that two seventy five a year with Calgary. Uh, it wasn't two seventy five a year. I think that was two seventy five for the two years, which would put him at that. You know, kind of what because Dietrich Nichols ahead of this free agent period was the highest paid American DB in the CFL. He's playing boundary boundary half. For the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, he was making 140. So it seems as though essentially the, the Stampeders have, have paid that same amount, or at least very, very close to it, for Demario Houston, presumably to be their new boundary corner. And Demario Houston's a very fine player, don't get me wrong. He was a CFL All-Star for a reason, but I do think that Dietrich Nichols was the more important player for Winnipeg to keep in that secondary. And there's a reason why him and Willie Jefferson were the first two, boom, boom, re-signed this offseason. I think the Bombers went, okay, we need to – keep our best pass rusher. We need to keep our best cover man. And they made that a super high priority. Now with Jermarcus Hardrick, I was led to believe that the bombers offer topped out at about $180,000 a season. That is more, I believe than Stanley Bryant is set to make this year by a very small amount. And you can't blame Jermarcus for leaving to sign with 230 on the table with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He's 33 years old. He's got little kids over the next two years going to Saskatchewan will net him uh, I, I, before taxes at least, almost $100,000 above what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were willing to put up. I don't think you can blame him for that. The extra downside, though, unfortunately for Bombers fans, is the presumed in-house replacement, Drew Richmond, has retired. Drew Richmond has been with this team for three years. He was set to come back in 2024, making near the league's minimum. He told the team, I want to make more. The club said, okay, we're happy to renegotiate. They sat down, could not get a deal done. So right now I'm told the Bombers plan to start a rookie American offensive tackle. They're not going to go out into the free agent market. There's guys like Landon Rice out there actually from Brandon, Manitoba, who's been an all-star right tackle in this CFL before. There's guys like Colin Kelly who have lots of experience starting at right tackle. The Bombers are not, from what I'm hearing, going to get a veteran. They're going to go young at that position, I would imagine, for salary cap reasons. But of course, that can throw a wrench 
right into your plans. The Bombers have had the best or certainly one of the best offensive lines in the CFL for the last five, six years. They've done a great job of opening lanes for Andrew Harris and Brady Oliveira. They've done a great job of protecting Winnipeg's quarterbacks, most recently, of course, Zach Kolaris. If they're not able to find a top-tier right tackle, all of a sudden there is potentially a weak link on that line. And that I do think should be a bit of a concern for bomber fans. Um, You know, hopefully the line gets taken care of. And that is something that, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, it could be a guy starting that we, you're not that familiar with and, you know, the proof will be in what happens on the field. But John with Brady back with shown back, uh, adding Chris Streveler to the mix. Um, what do you think? But like, I, how different will this offense look next year? Um, and in particular, knowing that the weapons are back and adding Strev in, how do you think that that might affect what the Bombers do and now how Buck Pierce schemes and focuses on the run with another weapon like Streveler able to use at times? Well, I think that's super exciting. I mean, I, w- I was in Chris Streveler's virtual availability last week, and that's something he talked about is he said, look, I- I'm not going to speculate as to how I'm going to be used. But he said, I've already told Buck Pierce, the team's offensive coordinator, of course, that I'm happy to block defensive ends if that's what he wants. And this morning, Brady Oliveira talked about the addition of Streveler and said, hey, look, if, uh, you know, if it's second and three and Streveler's in the backfield beside me and defenses want to key on him, I'm going to be super happy to eat. And if they decide to key on me, then good luck trying to try to stop Chris Streveler. So I do think that this team is going to treat Chris Streveler as more than just a traditional backup quarterback. I do think they're going to be getting him involved. Obviously, Dakota Prukop, who's set to become a free agent next week, has played a significant amount over the last couple of years as Winnipeg short yardage quarterback, replacing Chris Streveler. But I do think Chris Streveler is going to factor in. And let's also not forget, Hus, when Chris Streveler started his collegiate career at the University of Minnesota, he was converted to receiver. He didn't get to play quarterback again until he transferred to South Dakota, where he ended up before, of course, coming up to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers ahead of the 2018 season. So he's a guy who has experience playing something other than the quarterback position. So we know he's a great runner. We know he's he, he could throw the ball and and he could probably catch it too. So I'd imagine Buck Pierce is going to get really creative. With like I was about use. to say, like, do you think that everything's on the table for Strebler? I mean, when I think I of hope him, so. Well, it, you know, so do <laughs> I. But sometimes, hey, I'm a quarterback. I'm going to come in. I'm playing under center. Maybe I'll run the ball a bit more. But I mean, with Streb, the fact that he has been in the NFL, listen, he's taken care of financially. He's got his pension it really seems like this guy just wants to play and he wants to be on the field. And listen, if I've got buy-in from the players and I'm Buck Pierce, uh, knowing that the rules are different now than what they were in 2019, I I can't help but get excited about like maybe some packages where Caleros and Streveler are both on the field at the same time, along with a guy like Brady in the backfield. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that for a possibility. You could have a situation where you've got, you know, Zach Kolaris lined up in the shotgun and you've got Chris Strebler standing next to him as like a pistol formation and you could pitch it to him and run a speed sweep. He could stop. He can throw the ball. You could also have a situation where Strebler's under center. He throws it to the wide side of the field where Zach Kolaris is standing there as a wide out and he can flip it 50 yards down the field to Dalton Schoen. Like you can, you can, the, the creativity, and I'm not a, an offensive quarter, offensive coach, but even as someone whose X's and O's experience doesn't 
go far past, let's say, Madden, <laughs> I could already think of ways in which you could get these two guys on the field. So if I could start thinking of those things, obviously, Buck Pierce, I'm sure he'll be spending a lot of time very creatively thinking about those things. I know Chris Treveler also mentioned his avail. He talked to Paul LaPolice like for an hour on the phone shortly before signing in Winnipeg. So I'd imagine Paul LaPolice, who's currently, from what I understand, slated to, to return to the media this year in 2024 with TSN, I'm sure he's even putting little bugs into uh, the ears of some of his some of his former colleagues in Winnipeg. Going, hey, you ever thought to do this with with Chris Trevler and, and Zach Kolaris? Because that could be really exciting. Well, that'll certainly give us lots to uh, to talk about and think about as we get closer to training camp in the season. Um, what are you hearing about other pending bomber UFAs? Uh, in particular, Jackson Jeffcoat. I haven't heard a lot about uh, his name this week, knowing how great he's been. He has had some injuries lately. Just wondering what the market's for him, but anybody else that doesn't yet have a contract with Winnipeg that you might be uh, hearing around the league. Well, Ricky Walker, defensive tackle, who started was a full-time starter for the past season for the first time in his career, put up five sacks. I understand he has two other CFL teams currently with offers to him. The Bombers are still in on Ricky Walker. I'm led to believe that the Bombers offered Ricky Walker $110,000 a couple of weeks ago. It's unclear if that offer has been upped or if the Bombers are leading the way, but I know they are still in the mix for him. Jackson Jeffcoat, I'm told, also has offers at the moment for three other CFL teams. I think when he went to the market, the idea was let's see if we can get, you know, kind of tier one defensive end starter money, you know, one hundred eighty dollars to $200,000. I don't think that's materialized, but the other issue here is that Matthew Betts is really holding up the defensive end market. Brandon Barlow signed with the Hamilton Tiger Cats following a breakout year at the Argos. Other than that, guys like AC Leonard, you know, have not yet signed at the defensive end position. So I think that's slowed the process down for Jeffcoat. I'm told an ex- a, a decision from him and his camp is not expected before Friday. There's three teams in the mix. I would imagine that uh, the Bombers would love to have him back. But Huss, at this point, I'd be frankly surprised if the Bombers had room for him. So he's still weighing offers. I don't think any of them are, are tier one money. But again, that could change if Betts resigns because presumably the teams that miss out on Betts would love to have a guy like Jackson Jeffcoat. Yeah, I know it is a great point. John Hodge of Three Down Nation with us. Uh, check out Three Down Nation throughout this week and next for the latest on CFL free agency. Obviously, we're focused on Winnipeg here uh, in the city, but uh, what stood out to you uh, amongst the other agreements uh, outside of Manitoba as we uh, get closer to uh, the real thing next week? Well, I think the thing that, that you know, I, I thought was the most interesting was the Saskatchewan Rough Riders getting right in there. Like like Three Down Nation, we ranked all of the positions for pending free agents. We also did a top 30 list, and the, the Riders scooped up players seven through nine that's Jameer Thurman, Jamarcus Hardrick, and A.J. Olette. Obviously, this is a team that's under some pressure in 2024. I think they alleviated some of that pressure, of course, with the coaching change. But this is a team that hasn't made the playoffs the last two years. And Ryder fans, as everybody knows, are a fervent, very passionate group. Uh, obviously, Trevor Harris is still the guy under center. But Jamarcus Hardrick is a massive upgrade for them. Along the offensive line, there's also a really good CFL draft coming up for offensive linemen. I'm sure the Riders are going to address the position there. And then you've got Jameer Thurman, who can kind of quarterback the defense. Thurman, the connection there is he was in Calgary when Corey Mace was the defensive line coach of the Stampeders. And then A.J. Olette toting the rock. I mean, Brady Oliveira is obviously, at least in my opinion, the best running back in the CFL. But A.J. Olette 
He's very special as well. Uh, they obviously hold each other in very high esteem. And I was led to believe the Bombers were going to put in a very serious bid to try to sign A.J. Olette if, in fact, Brady Oliveira left for another team. So I'm interested to see with kind of a new look run game, an improved offensive line, and a new quarterback on defense, Jameer Thurman, what the Riders look like because they have not been shy when it comes to the free agent market. You compare that, for instance, to the Ottawa Red Blacks. The Ottawa Red Blacks have only signed one uh, top 30 free agent from three down nations list. That's a Darius Pickett. He's a great strong side linebacker, but they've not been terribly aggressive. Another team that missed the playoffs this past season, the Edmonton Elks, they've added one player from the top 30 in Javon Leak, their returner. So, you know, the riders from the teams that missed the playoffs last season by far, at least right now, the most aggressive in free agency. That stood out to me. You know, and, and one other thing just from today, from the reports that Brady turned down three years and 275 a year, a $700,000 contract from BC, uh, was the fact that BC taking a real run at some of the guys that have been mainstays and cornerstones in this bomber success, hoping to get over that hump. Well, I think if you're another team in the CFL, right? I mean, everybody knows the Bombers have been to four great cups in a row. At some point, every dynasty comes to an end. Just ask a fan of the New England Patriots about that right now. At some point, right, the cracks will be too much in this foundation that guys will leave. And what I think the Bombers have been able to do here quite successfully is keep enough of that foundation together to put the band back together in 2024. And since they've done it this year, I think they'll do it for 2025 as well, because, of course, the Great Cup is coming to Winnipeg for the first time in a decade. But I don't blame the BC Lions for saying, hey, look, if you can't beat them, join them. And <laughs> the best way to join them in this case is, is to try to bring Brady Oliveira out to the West Coast. I understand his partner, who's currently in Bali with him, rescuing dogs, is from the West Coast. Like She has West Coast roots, so it does make sense, especially for a guy like Brady Oliveira, who's got a really large social media following, has interests outside of football to potentially want to be in a bigger market like Vancouver. Wouldn't blame him for that, but he did say his heart at the end of the day was in Winnipeg. And I mean, as for the Lions, uh, the run game last year, I think it showed. It was it was just not good enough come the postseason, right? Vernon Adams Jr. had a great season, but he got nicked up in the playoffs. They couldn't run the ball. Taquan Mazel is fine, but I don't think that having a fine running back and you know an average offensive line is good enough when it comes time for the postseason. And you might have to run the ball a little bit more, especially in cold weather. I'm sure the Lions will do everything they can in their power to ensure they don't have to play cold weather football in 2024. They're going to try to win the West. And of course, the Great Cup is in Vancouver this year. It should be indoors. But uh, I, I, I don't blame the Lions for doing it. Also, let's, let's throw this back a little bit. Neil McAvoy's been with that organization. He's the de facto general manager in BC. He's been with that organization almost 30 years. He remembers the Lions moving on from Andrew Harris. And then inevitably in the following years going, okay, maybe that was a mistake. Maybe we should have tried to hold on to Andrew a little bit longer. I don't blame him for going and getting who is essentially the the modern Andrew Harris in Brady Oliveira and, and making their pitch. So I'm not surprised that they did it. Uh, John, fill us in on uh, what you, uh, Dunk, and the rest of the gang have uh, going on at the uh, the website. I'm sure this is uh, one of the busiest times of year for you guys uh, with your uh, ears to the ground on everything happening uh, as we get towards official free agency next week. Well, with the, the legal tampering window, I know the league 
hates that term. They call it the communications window, but the legal tampering window, a lot of these signings come in early now. Free agency doesn't officially get underway until February 13th. So we're gearing up for that. A lot of the big names have already agreed to terms, but we're optimistic that there's going to be lots of news still over the coming days. And then there's going to be a few surprises still on February 13th. So stay tuned to Three Down Nation. We're going to have a live blog that day as we've had for the many, many years previously on the first day of free agency. And uh, I know we're going to have lots of great content. So stay tuned to that. And of course, all of our social media feeds. You got it, Johnny. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, be well and keep up the, uh, the great work on the CFL beat. Appreciate it. Huss. Anytime. There is uh, John Hodge. Follow him on Twitter at John D Hodge and make sure you're checking out three down nation. We are going to get back to the jets in just a minute. Uh, but before Billick comes in, let's hear a little bit of what Brady had to say today. Uh, Brady Oliveira uh, did a conference call earlier this morning with the media and uh, talked about the process of free agency that uh, resulted in his re-signing here in the peg. Well, I'll say that it was uh, it was a roller coaster. Um, you know, I understand the business of it. Um, and yeah, communication was a little bit quiet, quiet at times. Um, so it, I really didn't know what my future was going to look like. So, um, you know, I had, you know, a great conversation with my agent who did a tremendous job of getting this deal done for me. Um, but yeah, I really had to kind of look at all options and, and see, you know, what, what my future is going to, where I was going to land. But I knew at the end of the day where I wanted to be, obviously, and and now here we are. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely a roller coaster. I I, uh, I knew where my heart wanted to be. I just unfortunately didn't know if that was going to happen. Um, and and obviously, you know, with the number that I put out there, um, you know, I, us athletes, we got to play the game too, right? I'm not going to come in with with a low ball number and. You know, so I got to go in with the high number and um, and that's kind of a tactic on our end. And um, and, and we got what we wanted um, because at the end of the day, me chasing the money wasn't that's not what I was in it for. But we, we had to play the game. All right. So uh, hey, negotiating one on one, ask high and uh, see what you get. And as we will hear from Brady in a minute, there were some very competitive offers that may have paid him more to not be in Winnipeg. Uh, here's what Oliver had to say about, you know, his comments earlier about wanting to know what's happening with some other players, particularly the O-line, uh, but eventually deciding to return. With my agent, I was I was very uh, hard on the fact of, hey, you know, my biggest concern right now is, you know, I understand my so much of my success relies on the guys around me and my success relies so heavily on this offensive line. We got the greatest unit in the league. So my worry was, you know, all five guys are up and for me to come back. And like I said, my success relies on them. I needed all of them to come back or at least, you know, four out of the five. And that's what we're, we're looking at. Right. So, um, so yeah, it, it was a, it was a big, you know, a big thing that I was pushing with my agent to, you know, relate to front office and then just having, you know, conversations with my teammates and, um, and, you know, people in the building in Winnipeg of, of my concerns of, uh, of that main area. So, um, I'm glad that, you know, majority of the guys are, are back and, and even other positions, you know, having Dalton sign back is, is massive and he's a huge part of our success, um, on, as an offense. So, um, yeah, I, it, it, it wasn't just, you know, the, the money at all. It was, it was, I, I understand my success relies around that relies on that offensive line. So having them back, um, Definitely, you know, is, is, is a great feeling. 
All right, a little bit more of a Brady Oliveira. I'm interested to hear this one. Uh, we all remember, we talked about it on the program. There was a few interesting tweets sent out by Brady over the course of this process. Here's what he had to say about uh, a few of his cryptic social media messages. You got to play the game. You know, uh, we our window is so short and you got to get what you deserve, right? So then of the day, I saw how this business works, you know, even more so this time than my last contract that I did. Um, you know, it's a business and, you know, teams and their organizations are also playing the game. So why not as a player and my agent, why can't we go and play the game? Right. So um, I guess a little bit of a cryptic message, but, you know, I think you guys all are all aware now that the money wasn't everything for me. I didn't go chase the money because I, I could have went and signed a way bigger deal, but I wasn't chasing the money. It was just, I guess, another tactic to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, put the heat on to some other teams and, and kind of show that, you know, like I said, just putting some respect on the running back position and, and just getting what I'm worth. And, and like I said, with the production level of certain guys across the league, make sure that salary kind of reflects their, their worth. Nothing like uh, using that X account to put the screws to the GM a little bit more. Hey, it all worked out well, though. Uh, here's one more from Brady before we uh, bring in Billick and talk Jets. Uh, speak, uh, speaking about his hometown and uh, why it was important to him that uh, he continue in Winnipeg. My hometown, and that's a big reason why I signed back. You know, I needed to be back in that locker room with, uh, you know, with my guys, um, you know, with the the ties that I have to all the coaches there, you know, the loyalties that I have to them. I, I just, I know we have something good building there. We've showed it the last couple of years and I know we can continue to make this run. Um, so it's exciting. You know, that's why I wanted to sign a two year deal back. And, and, you know, the conversations I have with other guys, it's kind of pushing to, you know, Hey, let's, let's, let's stick this thing around for 2025 and, and, you know, try and, you know, get into a great cup and, and win it in Winnipeg, you know, that obviously for me, that's that would be everything that I could dream of, you know. Um, you know, winning a great cup in Mountain would be special. So, you know, we got a lot of work to do. Um, unfinished business, you know, that's why big reason why I came back, man. I, I can't go to another great cup and, and lose it. And and if we have the opportunity to go there in twenty twenty five and, you know, be in the great cup, you know, can't can't lose anymore. So um I know I'm I know what I can do. I know I'm just, you know, I'm just scratching the surface and uh, I want to be, a, I want to be a big part, a massive reason to help this team get to another great cup and, and ultimately win another great cup for the city. Yeah. And Brady Oliveira, they're speaking about next season as well. Like the 2025 season, of course, that great cup will be played right here in Winnipeg at princess auto stadium. Of course, princess auto proud sponsors. Now of the home of the Winnipeg blue bombers, Winnipeg Sports Talk and all of the Winnipeg teams. Princess Auto, headquartered right here in Winnipeg, and is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them. Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Uh, Got to give a shout out to our friends at Wallace and Wallace, the fencing and overhead door specialists in Winnipeg since 1946. I mean, you've seen their fences and trucks all over the city. 
You probably, without knowing, have seen their overhead doors all over the city as well. As the Clope dealer in Manitoba, they have the biggest and best selection of overhead doors in the province. But with winter here right now, and although it's not too cold out uh, for the time being, winter is the time that puts that much more stress on your garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Give Wallace and Wallace a call to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know. That is Wallace and Wallace. And i got to give a shout out to our friends at F Apparel. Actually, our pal Pitt Turen from Aikens Lake, I believe, is taking his son Marty down to F today. Get Marty a suit for his upcoming grad. Um, it is the spot for grads. Um, and I know they've got great promos as well. If you've got a young man that's getting ready for a high school graduation, get on down to F, get him a great suit to look awesome for the big day and one that they can wear going into that next stage of their life. Of course, F Apparel has custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. Pop down and see him, 190 Smith Street downtown. You can make an appointment and shop online. Check out everything they've got at F. That's EPHapparel.com. And as we transition to the Jets and welcome in Billick, do not forget the Jets will have the opportunity to get one right back at the Pittsburgh Penguins Saturday night at Canada Life Center. Hockey night in Canada game. Sidney Crosby in town. Still some tickets remaining, I believe, for that game. Go to winnipegjets.com slash tickets. And also grab your seats for the Valentine's Day game against the Sharks next week and the much-awaited visit of the Minnesota Wild on the 20th of November. And while you are checking out tickets, obviously the team's still really working hard to get maybe some people that had packages in the past back on board. Check out four, six, eight-game uh, packages, season tickets as well for the remainder of the season where you'll get in first on playoff tickets for the spring all right we're long ways to go for this club before we get to the playoffs let's bring in scotty billick of the winnipeg sun scott great to have you on hey just before we talk jets how about yeah. how about kyle walters day yesterday Jeez, yeah i mean <laughs> i you know so you're like you're like okay so they signed brady Oliver. okay that's great and you're like yeah maybe that kind of prices out dalton shown right because we all knew brady was going to get an a, a raise and it sounds like his raise was wasn't as as big as as he wanted it, but still well north of of two hundred thousand. Um, so you wonder, you know, you know, could they resign? And you already already knew you couldn't resign Jamarcus Hardrick, and and so he went and 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 left for for more money and potentially greener pastures. But uh, I doubt it. But we'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, huge day. I mean, just a big day for signings for the last forty eight hours. I mean, the Sea Bears sign. Resigned Teddy Buckets there, which is kind of cool um, to have him back. I mean, he was a huge part of that. That and so yeah, it's just it's been a big uh, I don't know signing slash trade kind of week, I guess. Uh, last lots, four or yeah, five days. I mean, lots going so, on for the teams. Yeah, everyone was fired up to see the hockey team get back at it tonight, <laughs> and it was a little yeah. anticlimactic with the three nothing loss in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. What did you make of the Jets' performance yeah. yesterday? Sloppy at first, pretty good to start the second, and then the you know like I I I I felt they found their legs kind of start that second. They had that really good shift with the Monahan line hemming hemming the Penguins in. I mean to the point where Monahan looked gassed 
um, and the rest of the line looked gas from how much they had. And then obviously the Dylan hit kind of, I mean, I know, I don't know. Pionk last night said that the, the goal called back on Shifley was deflating, but you know, that Dylan hit, the it, it wasn't so much the hit necessarily that's deflating. It's just the fact that you get extended power play five minutes and, and you, you allow two on there. And even then I thought the jets came back after that, <clears throat> after the, I think it was the 10-22 mark of the second. They didn't allow a shot for nearly a period after that. I think the next shot came roughly around the 11 mark, minute mark of the of the uh, or sorry the nine minute mark of the of the third period. The Jets did really well. I mean, obviously the Pittsburgh Penguins were sort of it seemed like just content to kind of kind of sit on a three nothing lead and and let, ride that out. Um, but when that Shifley goal went in before, and you know, I I saw I, I figured it was offside early, but that goal would have stood. I wonder if the Jets would have actually came back there because they were really they were really starting to get going there. And then, you know, obviously that goal, as Pionk said, was deflating too. Um, yeah, I mean, this team can't score. And and that, that's that's probably the most concerning thing. Like, I mean, I, I, again, I, I don't believe this is last year all over again. I don't believe any of that stuff. But the fact that all of this talent can't put a puck in the net right now uh, that that that's the concerning part. I mean, maybe get it out of your system now, because um, this is you don't want to do this. You don't want to go on a four game run in the playoffs where you you've scored you know three goals essentially. They've scored three goals in the last five games now. It's that's not good enough. They've been shut out th- three times in the last seven games. And so I mean, we can talk power play and all that, but that doesn't even matter right now. You just need to get a goal, period, right? And and that's where this team is at. And I know there's a bunch of guys coming back from injuries, and it's you know the lines or whatever. I just think that if you're a fan, you would expect this team, given the talent, to just find a couple of goals every night. And, I mean, I know this team's only middle of the pack in terms of goal scoring this year. But to be fair, they've been without Trifley, Connor, and Velarde at various times where, you know, some of the goal scoring does dry up there. Um, but, yeah, right now it's, 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 it's a pretty bad famine. And they've got to figure out a way because, you know, they, they weren't able to score against the Flyers when they played them last and they got beat. So... Well, and they're yeah, getting yeah, them tomorrow. They're yeah, getting them tomorrow, and they're going to have to find a way. And I, I kind of feel, especially when you saw the way the team played, to your point, in kind of the second half of last night's game, um, and, you know, called score effects, whatever you want. I mean, they were generating. They had some great A chances. Tristan Jari was great. Mm-hmm. It does feel like, you know, one's going to come in, and then, and then, you know, well, hopefully, from a Jets perspective, you know the dam sort of breaks and uh, and things get back to uh, back to normal. I mean, every team is going to go through a week or two where they might not be clicking the way they were at other times. And to your point, better it happen mm-hmm. at the start of February than in April or May. Um, but it's time. Uh, it's time to get back going, and it's time to get the power play going. That did not look good at all last <laughs> night, and there are a couple of opportunities, and it can really take away the momentum. And what was tough, and we'll get to the Dylan hit right now, I I really like what they did on the PK for the first three minutes of that five-minute major. And then, you know, a couple of unfortunate breaks of a whiff of a puck that went to a guy right by the net, another one, and, you know, they're in the back of your net. But backing up to why that power play happened, how did you see the Brendan Dylan hit? Um, And if you had to bet right now, although... (laughs) It's very difficult to know what to yeah. expect from NHL player safety. Uh, how do you think this one gets adjudicated today? Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's hard to guess, right? I mean, that's, I think, the biggest problem right now is 
in this league is that you never know what is going to happen. You know, there was just as much chance of that there was going to be a fine as it could have be, you know, four games, I guess. I mean, yeah, for me, it's either one or two games, I think. I, I don't, I hate saying this. Like, it, it, I don't think it was a dirty hit. Like, dirty is the wrong word for it. It was a poorly timed hit with a regrettable result. That's how I wrote it last night. That's how I tweeted about it. Because, I again, I, I've never viewed Brendan Dillon as a dirty player. I understand Minnesota Wild fans will probably disagree with that on the on the cross-checks on, on Kirill Kaprizov or whatever. But, I mean, you watch Dillon play, the way that he plays this game, he's played it for 836 games in the NHL. He was suspended one time for slashing six years ago or seven years ago now. That, that's... You know, that's not, you know, this is a guy who plays with an edge to his game, but the physical edge, he's also a, a large human being. Um, but he's been a very, very clean human being, uh, you know, throughout his career. So you look at the hit last night, and, and to me, I, I think you give a guy like that the benefit of the doubt. Now, that being said, you also had a guy that got absolutely leveled on, uh, you know, in the head, a shoulder to the head his helmet popped up, right? I mean, you don't see that very often. You know, often when a guy's helmet is flying straight up in the air, he, it, it's usually a headshot. Uh, and, and then just the way that Achari struggled to get back to his feet, needed help getting off. Um, you know, the good news was after the game, I mean, Mike Sullivan basically, you know, sort of said that he was okay, but he's still getting evaluated. So we'll see what that happens. I haven't seen anything out of Pittsburgh today on an update yet. Um, so I, I don't know exactly what the injury is, I assume it sort of that will play a part in, in, in whatever happens with Brendan Dillon. Um, but, you know, to me, it's a one or two game thing. I, I just think, I mean, I know people are saying, I'll throw the book at him. They've got to get that out of the league. I, again, I don't think there was any intent. I, I don't think there was, and I know that's part of what the, the, the league has to try and figure out was their intent, but it's not like this guy's Tom Wilson, right? Like, it's not like, you know, there's this long history of, of, of reckless behavior on the ice. It was just, to my mind, you know, a guy kind of reaching forward, a little bent over a bit. I know that, again, the onus has got to be at least 50% on the hitter, if not more. Um, so Brennan Dillon missed him and caught him in the head. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you're probably going to pay a price for that. It's probably going to be one or two games. The Jets were practicing this morning in in, in Voorhees in New Jersey there. Um Based, you know, basically figuring that they're not going to be with them with Logan Stanley partnering with, uh, I believe it was Sandberg and, and Pionk, or no, Pionk with Sandberg and, and Schmidt with, with Stanley there. So, you know, I think the Jets know that something's probably going to happen. Um, but again, I don't think it's, you know, and, and I think you figured that by the hearing, the phone hearing, that I don't think they thought this was there was any maliciousness in it. It was just a it was a poorly timed hit, and I think yeah. well, I mean, that's Brendan what happened Gallagher in the end. got a phone hearing for what happened a couple of weeks ago, right? Hey, the chicken wing, yeah. Listen, um, hey Remus, uh, let me bring in Reem for a minute here, yeah, um, because this was, I mean, depending on who you were talking to, you would think that you know people were talking about many different scenarios. Some people throwing the book at him, some people saying he did nothing. That was a guy that literally led with his head and skated into his yeah, shoulder. Um, Reem, I know you got a lot of reaction. I mean, uh, Ferraro getting in on it, Bucci, Spectre. I mean, uh, what was the uh, – oh, I know there was no consensus, but what were some of the uh, the highlights of what was going on from other people in the hockey world outside of this market? Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of takes flying out there. Uh, this is former NHLer 
Rob Shrimp weighing in, and he says, head down the whole time and just trying to go everywhere and nowhere fast. It's a contact sport, and bigger guys than you can and will and are allowed to take advantage of this when you put yourself in the position. And then he added... Suspension or no suspension, I know for a fact you can't bury your head and just go fast through the neutral zone. The result is tough to see any player get let up, but I don't think Dylan did anything vicious. Sorry, but I'm not sorry for knowing this and saying this. And that's former NHLer Rob Shrimp. And then Mark Spector of Sportsnet got into it with Ray Ferraro. And uh, here, I'll just throw it up here. And he... Put, put out there uh hockey physics when a five foot nine player achari chooses to carry the puck and thus lower his head through two zones without ever looking up and a six foot four d-man is paid to impede his progress head contact ensues achari should change his game not dylan in my opinion and then ferraro adds in last night in carolina connor garland got smoked by brady shea that is a far bigger size differential, shoulder to shoulder, perfectly timed hit. I can't, I didn't see that hit. I, I can't comment. And then Spec adds, with all due respect, Ray, but when Achari is bent over and not looking, coming head down along the wall and through traffic, I don't see how a shoulder is available to Dylan. And to be fair, this has been a conversation that's happened this year. I think John Tortorella commented about mm-hmm. players, you know. I don't know if they're not expecting hard contact, but you see guys, you know, turning their back at the last second or going into the corner and not protecting themselves. And a lot of, a lot of, do you want me to go Booch across from ESPN? I mean, yeah, Bucci, Bucci came through with a, uh, I think a defense of Brendan Dillon. And a lot of these guys, again, no skin in the game, but a lot of opinions on that. He adds, didn't think it was a suspension hit. This is Booch there is not enough physical contact in the game right now. I mean, and a lot of replies, like, what are you talking about here? And people throwing in GIF usage, uh, embarrassing <laughs> take. Um, Penguins fence's head was the primary point. I, and I agree. I think it was, result it was, was yeah. unfortunate. When you compare it to other hits, Again, I don't think he was launching up. I don't think he el- you know, raised his yeah. elbow like Brendan Gallagher did. I thought he tried to line up a guy, and, and he whiffed, and you can't hit a guy in the head anymore. But I don't think it was, it was vicious or intentional, but the result yeah, certainly Billick, was. Billick, I mean, there, there is something to be said for what Shrimp said. I mean, I agree. five, yep. six, seven years ago, guys did not run around leading with their head. I joked that if that was in the NFL, he would have gotten a 15-yard 15, 15 penalty for leading with the crown of the helmet. I mean, I'm being facetious here, but no, I, know. I mean, yeah. there wasn't a lot of awareness of a big defense and waiting to hit him. And in a lot of ways, like it was no way, like that was not a targeted shot. That's Brendan Hiddle was going to do a headshot and or doing do a hit. And he ended up being a headshot as he led with it. I mean, Again, I get it. The way the rules are right now, the onus is on the defender, and this is what Ray's saying, not to check to the head to to do it. But things happen so quickly. That was somewhat uh, split second. And you'll see more and more former players say there has to be some onus on the forward that's going in there to have awareness and to not lead with his head right into a guy's shoulder. 
Yeah, I, I think, I mean, we've been talking about this a lot lately because we watch all these Jacob Truba hits, which are often very clean, very heavy, and very devastating. Very violent, but yes. It, yeah, but that's hockey, right? I mean, we're not too far removed from when people didn't really have a problem with Scott Stevens crossing the ice and drilling Paul Correa and then, and all those things, right? I mean, but you're right. Like, I, I think we're there's this, this kind of convergence right now of – of young and old, right? I mean, even talking to uh, some reporters last night after the hit and that, it's like, you know, some guys are like, yeah, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's, I shouldn't like, you know, like Robbie Shrimp said, you know, you shouldn't be leading with your head. You shouldn't, you should be expecting contact at all times. Right. Um, And then there's, you know, the newer, uh, I don't want to call them the newer age reporter or whatever, but like, you know, just the people that have watched hockey and, and just want to see that sort of hit out of the game. You don't want to see that. Um, and I, I think th- th- those are both valid opinions. Nobody wants to see a guy get injured like that. Nobody wants to see a guy take a headshot like that. But at the same time, I mean, like you said, I, you know, there is an onus on the player to not put themselves also in a vulnerable position, right? Just like turning at your back at the last second. So you, you're, you, you expect a guy to get stop on a dime when instead most of the time it just turns into an ugly boarding call. And and it's not always the fault of the, the hitee, let's say, on, on the play. It's it's the fault of the person that's getting drilled because they put themselves. I think we, we could talk, if you talk to Cole Perfetti about a couple of times that he got drilled from behind last season, um, he will say it's essentially his fault because he shouldn't have turned his body at that time. And I think, you know, <clears throat> again, just for some guys, I, I think the problem here, or not the problem, but one of the things here too is, Noah Chari's played a long time in this league. He's a physical guy himself, a um, bit of a fourth-line grinder and that sort of thing. So he knows, too. Like, I mean, I think that's at the same time. I'd be interesting to see what he has to say about the hit, if, if he felt he put himself in a bit of a vulnerable position. Because, I, again, I don't think, I don't think the, the word around the league is that, that Brendan Dillon's a malicious player. And it wasn't a targeted hit. Far but, from you know, it. it. Exactly. I mean, he went in there. He didn't jump. He didn't do anything like that. And I know people always like this is the thing that bothers me most. It's the slow mo replays that often lead to some of the like the most outrageous takes because it's like, well, you know, the guy it looks like his feet are off the ground. Yeah, well, sometimes when you hit a guy, it's just the it's just it I, to me that's physics, right? You hit a guy, and and where else? It's it's almost like a uh, what do you call it? It's uh, like when an earthquake happens or whatever, and, and like the tectonic plates hit together and. You know, you figure out how mountains were made. Well, it's two things smashing together. The only where they can really go is is up at sometimes. And so you watch that replay last night, and yeah, maybe Dylan leads with his one foot off the lake. But a lot of guys do that when they're going into a hit. But he it's not he didn't jump, he didn't lunge, he didn't he didn't he didn't do he didn't chicken wing a guy like Brandon Gallagher did, right? It was just a again. I think at the end of the day, and we'll see what it we'll see what the the Department of Player Safety says in their video. I assume, I assume, you know, with a suspension coming, but I'm guessing they're going to say, well, you know, they don't think that it was a target or malicious hit. It was just unfortunate that what happened and they got to do something about it. I mean, and I, again, this all goes back to, you never know what the league's actually going to do about these things because the league always says, we got to get this out of the game. We got to get us of the game. And then guys who legitimately like Brennan Gallagher did it. You could have thrown the book at a guy like Brennan Gallagher for a hit like that. And, and and they didn't, you know. And so ah, I just have, I, I just think that's the other problem. Like if you, they should just go to the junior rule where if you do it, it's an automatic X number of games. 
and then that's it. Like take take the the trivialness out of it. Um, and, and then you know if it is a guy who turns at the last second, then have another rule for that. But this is like almost every time that we go to you know the judges' scorecard. Let's say uh, we just never know what the hell is going to happen, and 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 so we're sitting here today and we're arguing about whether it's a clean hit or not a clean hit, or I don't even know if we're arguing about a clean hit, but like how much suspension worthy that it is, and nobody knows. And so on top of it, it just leads to a lot of anger on both sides, right? And and that's where we get yeah, and to a lot of questions of being asked. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> I expect something. It wouldn't shock me if he just got a fine. But I think yeah. we'll probably be seeing a game and potentially two. Um, but I would be shocked if it was anything more anything more right. than that. Uh, moving on from the Dylan hit, um, we saw the debut of Monaghan and the return of Mark Shifley. What did you think about the Jets' top two centers last night and the way they looked? Yeah, I, I had no issue with Monaghan's game. I mean, I think there's some timing issues that need to get worked out there. I think he came out, he was 60% in face-offs. But they were easing him in. He only took six draws, I think, in the game. Uh, if I, or maybe five draws, if I'm not mistaken. He won three, lost two of them. Um, so they're easing him in there. He played 141 of power play time. Again, the power play just looked horrible again. So, I mean, I don't know, really. It's hard. Again, I think with Monaghan trying to get that going, part of it's going to be, well, one, they started one of the power plays with the, the second unit. It was interesting. I mean, it's kind of a sub thing. They had Nino Nierreiter taking the draws on that, which I find is is it's sort of funny until you realize, okay, well, he was two for three last night, need a writer in the face-off circle. I think he was one for two on the power play, but that's an interesting sidebar for what they're doing on that second unit, trying to throw something at the wall to get the stick. But yeah, I thought, I thought Mark looked good. Uh, I mean, I thought there was a couple times where Mark, you could see the speeds there. Like you can tell he's, his groin is healthy, uh, obviously by the way he was skating. Um, you know, I, I, it takes me back to the bonus comment from a couple of days ago where he said, you know, we're going to give these guys a couple of games to get boy, and then, and then we'll kind of see how it goes from there. Um, but, yeah, I had no problem with Shifley's game last night. I didn't really have any problem with Monaghan's game at all. I think Monaghan did what he, he does, um, and they just got to get the timing on He He controls the puck well. He's a big body. Um, I think him and Cole Perfetti are going to work really well together. Um, and we'll see what they do with Nikolai Ehlers there as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's just going to be, there's a feeling out period here. And this is part of the reason I think why this is a good, because they practice today, they're scheduled to practice Friday too. There's a lot of practice time between now and the trade deadline, and they're going to have all of that with Monaghan. So yeah, I'm not, uh, you know, people, I got a couple of comments last night after the game. Oh, this is, this is the way Monaghan is. He did nothing. I'm like, well, he didn't do nothing. His line was positive in certain a- analytics. It's just, uh, it's going to take some time. People are just like, you know, it's either he scores a hat trick or he's a bust. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to say that, that, you know, when you, when you get yeah. shut out. Um, as far as the top line goes, I, I love Shifley's game. I thought he had a lot yeah. of jump. I thought he was everywhere. Um, and I said earlier, I mean, Kyle Connor was somewhat noticeable at times. It wasn't always for, the best reasons. I mean, yeah. certainly in the third period, and I get it. You're chasing the game. You're trying to make something happen. Maybe trying to do a little bit too much. He's gone a little cold though right now. And obviously yeah. he was at the all-star game. We've had this break in the middle. Um, and I believe Rennie was talking about this last night on, uh, on, uh, on KNR. I do wonder, um, and listen, hopefully the goals will come and they can get back to scoring and worry about it. But I do wonder at what point, and I know Kyle Connor scored whatever it is, 47 goals, and he's the top goal scorer on this club. 
But when you think about how good Ehlers, Velarde, and Shifley looked together when they were put together, I do wonder if Rick Bonus gives some uh, some sincere thought to potentially moving KFC with Monahan and Perfetti and yeah. getting Ehlers back up with Shifley and Velarde. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's definitely an option that they have, and sometimes I'm surprised that they don't go to it a little bit more. I mean, you'll hear the analytics guys on Twitter banging this drum forever, right? Like of how good Ehlers is with them. I mean, I would suggest too, though, that Ehlers is often good with whoever he plays with. Um, and, you know, the, the chemistry that Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor feel like they have between each other is something I think this team wants to to foster and and with Gabe Velarde. Like, I think they want to make that top line work. But at the same time, I mean, when you're not scoring goals, you need to get that good feeling back, right? I mean, I think they got that good feeling back a little bit on that one goal, and then it got taken away from them just as quick. So, yeah, I mean... I would like to see it again because we saw it. We saw it when Kyle Connor went down. They went on that incredible run. I think, what did they have, like 30 points in three games or four games or whatever it was? Like, it was, you know, combined points, obviously. I know some people balk at that. But at the same time, that line was very good, very potent. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, maybe you have to look at it. And I, I always think this, like, this has been always the problem, I think, with Winnipeg over the years is that it's it's always like this top line is as viewed as like the, you know, the top players have to play there, but I mean, you could still have a one B line, I think with, with Monaghan, Connor and, and Perfetti. And, and if it works and if it, you know, I think that line again is going to get Perfetti or Kyle Connor a little bit more of the puck because you have two guys looking for that, two guys that are good playmakers on that line. So it could benefit Kyle Connor as well. It could be Velarde Velarde, too moving down. I mean, like I, I know they've sort of really, been pushing since Velarde's been back to have him there on that top line. Yeah. Um, but I've had, I'd have time for that. And again, I'm not saying this needs to happen against Philadelphia, but I mean, if the team continues to struggle to score, um, it's, yeah. I mean, the onus is on the coaching staff to uh, shake things up a little bit. And they do have some ready-made alternatives that have been successful in the past that you hear many people sort of, banging the drum on right now and for good reason yeah. when you're getting shut out like they did last night exactly right i mean i think the noise is always going to get louder when when they're not scoring and and i was you know i was sort of surprised that they didn't make a change last night like when you and maybe it was because bonus felt like they were playing pretty good after yeah, you know the first mark, game right? with monahan there like right, i you think don't they realized that, that they're going to give yeah. it they're going to give it a couple games he said they were going to give it a couple yeah. games both with that and the well, power play and see where things go from there um yeah. but because of the situation yeah. they were in heading into the break it's not like this is just an one isolated game uh you know whether it happens next against philly uh, if it doesn't get clicking, I wouldn't be so. I would put it this way: if they don't have a big offensive game tomorrow, and there is still struggles, I would expect that by the time they see Pittsburgh at home on Saturday, we might see the coaches uh, yeah. grab the blender out of the coaches' room and uh, give it a little whirl. Yeah, exactly. I and mean, I, I mean, I think it, you know, at the end of the day here, yeah, you're right. You don't want to. You don't want to like pose. I mean, I think yesterday was was the uh, the fifth, just the fifth time this season that they've had Connor, Spicely, and Velarde in the same lineup together, yeah. right? And so, I mean, what we saw in preseason with those guys together in the first few games of the season was 
encouraging, right? Like, and I think that's what Rick Bonus is trying to find again. And when you haven't had these guys really do much together outside of some practice time, um, yeah, you're going to be looking for a, you're going to be looking for, you're going to afford those guys a little bit of time to, to try and find their game and try and find that offensive spark that they, that we, we know that it's there. And I think the coaching staff knows that it's there, but yeah, you're at the same time, you've lost four straight. Um, you know, you've been shut out as many times as you have in the last seven games, three times. And at the end of the day, you need to you need to start winning hockey games. You need to start scoring. You need to start doing the, the things uh, that aren't going to lead this team into a bigger rut than than let's say it's in right now. Well, right back at it tomorrow <laughs> against Philly. You had a big win last night against the uh, Panthers, and then back home for Crosby and the Penguins in a rematch on Saturday night. Scott, we'll look forward to your continued coverage of the Jets and the Winnipeg Sun. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. Good luck this weekend, Huss. Uh, yeah, thank you. Who you got? for you guys now. I, well, I mean, I just, I, I'd rather have the Taylor Swift ball. I, I just, I think it's got to happen, right? I just, first of all, I want to see all the tinfoil hats going wild over yeah. over them winning, saying it's a fixed job and all that. Rigged. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, whatever. I, I, I don't know if it's I don't like the, the 49ers. I don't think that's the case, right? Like, I don't think there's anything. I just think that, you know, there's a chance here to – there's a real chance of a, 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 a dynasty here, right? And like a, and a, you know, we could say it is RAV1 potentially, um, but I think that third Super Bowl really would kind of cement that. I mean, we talked about, I mean, you know, a big Pats guy. Um, and, you know, to me, it was a 20-year dynasty for those guys. They just didn't win all the Super Bowls in, in that. But, I mean, you won seven or six of them at least in, 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 in that kind of a 20-year span. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a chat, and I, I just want to watch history, right? I mean, I don't, you know, if it's if it's not Brady, if if it's Mahomes and Kelsey or whatever, I mean, I like the idea of watching the best teams do okay. some of the best things we've ever seen. So it's a yeah. heck of a matchup, and uh, we're gonna get yeah. to it with uh, Chris Meany uh, coming up in just a second. Thanks again for doing this, dude. Yeah. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. <laughs> All right, there's Scott Billick. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Scott Billick, and. Uh, you know, we were just kind of touching on the uh, the Super Bowl. What are you doing for the Super Bowl? You're having a big Super Bowl party and have a few beers. Listen, if you're doing that here in Winnipeg, make sure you and your guests enjoy Winnipeg's favorite local beer for the big game, Little Brown Jug. You can pop by the brewery and tap room on William Avenue and try it all and pick it up or pop by your local beer store. Definitely suggest the generic lager, light and crisp, the taste of a domestic but made right here in Winnipeg. Um, you can also try it at the game on Saturday night as, of course, Little Brown Jug is now partners with the Winnipeg Jets and available at the games. Um, but when you're popping by your local beer store or liquor marts, keep an eye out for generic lager on sale right now, $19.99 for the eight-pack of Tall Boys, a perfect addition to your Super Bowl spread. And speaking of the Super Bowl, I popped into Royal yesterday. Uh, they've got a ton of of new Chiefs gear coming in. Not as much Niners. And I know they're just waiting on those Super Bowl t-shirts, the jersey t-shirts for both teams. Um, if you're popping in, you can see if those have arrived. They've been waiting for them the last couple days uh, there. Uh, but in addition to everything Super Bowl and all the Jets merch and the Bomber merch, I am going away. If you are uh, you know, going somewhere sunny, Pop by Royal. I picked up some great sandals yesterday, some shoes to wear while I'm away. Uh, I had to uh, hopefully keep the sun off my very fair complexion. 
they've got it all there on the King Skate Snow and Surf side. So uh, get ready for your holidays as well and the Super Bowl at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And of course, you can uh, check them out on Instagram at Royal Sports for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And uh, back at it tomorrow with the Jets, another early game, 6 p.m. No better place to gather with the gang than watch it at your local Boston Pizza, Ice Cold Schooners, world-famous BP Wings, gourmet pizzas, and more with the big game, with the big sound, and, of course, pick a player contest as well at many of your local Boston Pizzas. Jets back in action tomorrow, but if you are staying at home, even tonight, you can get the great taste of BP by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. All right, Teddy Buckets re-signing with the Sea Bears. He'll join us in a few minutes. But we can't have Super Bowl week without a visit from my guy, Chris Meany from FTN and FTN Bets. Meany, what's going on? How are you? Hey, man, I'm doing good, Hustler. Always appreciate the invite. Here we are a year later, and we're still talking about your Kansas City Chiefs in the big game. Uh, I mean, it, it's been, a, would say, an interesting ride for you this year. A different vibes. You know, in the past, it's all Mahomes' arms and the weapons and the offense and you know, uh, I think this time around, nobody's really talking about their defense. And it's something that I've talked about, you know, on Mean Streets and over at FTN over the past uh, several weeks. And I'm kind of surprised, to be honest with you, that they're dogs in the Super Bowl. They were dogs on the road, went into Buffalo and beat the Bills. Everybody was drinking the Bills Kool-Aid and Josh Allen. Ah, well, they can't beat Baltimore. They're four-point dogs against the Ravens in that defense. And uh, they shut them out basically, and and here they are again as as dogs. And no disrespect to the Niners, but I just don't believe that Patty Mahomes and Andy Reid and company should be underdogs in the Super Bowl game. You mentioned you mentioned the defense, and you know, listen. I mean, I, I was taking heat in the chat and from other friends about what's going on with the Chiefs as the offense looked and really struggled at times this year. And to your point, what was being lost? upon I think most people unless you were really watching their games was that this is the best defense of the Mahomes era and I will even argue that as good as they were in the regular season we've seen a couple of absolute masterpieces from Spags so far in the playoffs right now and you know when you, when you have unreliable receivers when you have only a couple of targets that I think Patrick Mahomes is really confident throw in and throw to go to you sometimes have to win football games a different way. And I think it's eight or nine straight games now that the Chiefs have allowed seven or less in the second half, which is an absolutely stunning number. But, I mean, this is as well-rounded a Chiefs team, I think we could say, of any of the versions that have gotten this far over the past six years in the Mahomes era. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at last year when my Eagles played your Chiefs, I mean, that was a shootout. It was offense on both sides. Defensively, they had some players, but neither team was really known for their defensive game. And I have the stat in front of me. It's eight games. It's 32 points allowed in the second half of the last eight games. That's spectacular. Four points per second half over the last eight. The Ravens can only muster up three in the second half. The Bills only had seven. Miami had the shutout. There are some teams in there, of course, like the Raiders and the Pats that are not great, but they also played the Bills six points. It was, um, of course, we all know how that game ended uh, with the Kadarius Tony offside, but still shut them out basically in the second half. So credit to Spags in the second half defense and the adjustments that they've had. And on the other side with Brock Purdy and the offense, I mean, geez, Green Bay and Detroit, those secondaries are not as tight 
and sound as KC and Brock Purdy and company started off very slow in both of those games. I mean, a lot has been made with Kyle Shanahan and winning the big games. Can he win the big games? He had never come from behind as a member of the Niners head coaching staff and uh, they were able to do that in both of those games. But I wouldn't say if, if Brock Purdy starts slow, uh, and the Niners are trailing again. I, I don't know if that's a recipe for success. They've gotten away with it, you know, in the in the games against the Packers and the Lions, but I don't think they will. Just looking overall at the defensive numbers, KC, second in points allowed per game. Yards allowed per game, second. Passing yards allowed per game, fourth. Yards allowed per attempt, third. Completion percentage against your quarterbacks, opposing quarterbacks, eighth. Passing touchdowns, top five. Sacks, their second. They hold the edge. Uh, San Fran's good in a lot of those categories as well apart from the quarterback completion percentage against bottom 12, San Fran is behind KC in all of those categories, all of those statistics. The only pause I have, and I guess if we could talk this out, the biggest weakness that the Chiefs have on defense is their run defense, right? I mean, 25th in yards allowed per carry, uh, middle of the pack in, in yards allowed overall, rush DVOA, they're uh, 27th in the NFL. So that's the one issue I have. I was really surprised to see Baltimore not try to run the football last time they when they played each other a couple weeks ago. Like Gus Edwards having three rushing attempts blew my mind. Uh, CMC is definitely going to touch the ball a ton in this game. I think that's there's a lot of weapons on the San Francisco side of things, but that's got to be the the game plan for Casey. How do you slow down this weapon in CMC? Yeah, I mean, to me, I think we're going to find a lot about the way this game goes in the first half and even the first quarter because. Yeah. The 49ers are going to try and run the football. I mean, they do not want to just put this on the arm and the shoulder of Brock Purdy. And Spags is going to know that. And I think they knew that the Ravens were going to do that as well. And if you look back to that game, there was one 15-yard run. I think, I can't remember there it was Justice Hill. Oh, no, it was Gus. I think it was but his first those, carry. <laughs> it was right off the bat. And then they stopped them short. They stopped them short again. He'll, they gave it to him three times. He had three yards. I mean, they very quickly fortified that up. Now, easier said than done against Christian McCaffrey. Um, but if the Chiefs are able to score and the Chiefs are able to take care of, you know, not getting gashed and preferably get them off the field by stopping the run, which is by far their biggest challenge going into this game, it then sets up that scenario where, it is on Brock Purdy. And, you know, again, with all due respect to what the Niners, with the Packers and what the Lions had, they don't have Legereus Sneed. They don't have McDuffie. Right. I mean, they don't have that unit, not to mention guys like Chris Jones rushing the passers. So trying to make the Niners a one-dimensional offense is going to be what the Chiefs try to do. Whether they can do that, I think, is a uh, is a big, big part of the game. You mentioned you're a little surprised that they are underdog. I've seen it's come down a little bit, but they're still basically plus 110 on the money line and a two-point dog. How do you see that changing? I, I would imagine there'll be lots of public money coming on Kansas City. There's already a lot of money on Kansas City as it is. I have yeah. been surprised that we haven't got closer to a pick em. What do you make of where the line is and how that might fluctuate as we get closer to game time? Yeah, it may get close to a pick em. I know Casey was bet pretty early on and the line moved. And I've seen two. I'm still using our prop shop, Parlay Calculator, over at FTMBets.com. I still see two and a half. I see two. I see one and a half. I, I think it could maybe get to one close to a, a pick em. I think the only line movement we'll see is the total. Like the total is at 47 and a half, which I like the under. Our model likes the under. 
talked about Casey's defense in the second half, the adjustments. Uh, San Fran's got a pretty good defense on the other side. They like to slow the pace down using some of our pace tools over FTN. They use up basically all the clock. I mean, basically the slowest team in terms of seconds per snap. That's the way that they run. And KC has, on the other side, man, let's give some love to Pacheco because he's been running hard and they've been running well with him as well. They have long drives. Both teams like to have these 7 to 12 play drives and kill off 6 to 7 minutes. I know it's not what everybody on the outside wants. They want to see points like last year's Super Bowl trading shots. I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked if it was like 4 or 5 possessions combined in the first half. I think the only line movement we'll really see is that total. And I just feel like the public likes to bet overs. Everyone likes to bet overs. They like to see points scored. So maybe that number moves from 47 and a half to a 48 and a half or close to 49. If you want to wait it out, I just don't see it going down to 46. So it's something that you could wait. But as for the side itself, I, I don't think that there's going to be a, a whole lot of movement. Um, and I'm not shocked that the public is on KC. Usually it's not a great sign. You know, this back in the public, I don't care about any of that stuff. Uh, I think that the chiefs are the more, I mean, they hold the edge in a lot of the categories. I mean, coaching is definitely significant. We've talked about Spags, but Andy Reid. And then if the game is on the line where whoever has the ball last, I mean, honestly, what quarterback are you going to trust in this situation uh, with Patrick Mahomes, who uh, is yet again playing in another Super Bowl uh, in his just his sixth year in the NFL? Well, well, I just have to ask you. I mean, like, I'm looking at Cool Bet's money line minus one twenty three for San Fran, plus one ten for the Chiefs. Um, if most of the money has been on Kansas City early, they continue to have a bigger share. Why is this like? Why are we still getting a plus <laughs> number know. on Kansas City? This is a trap. What's happening here? I don't. Yeah. I don't know. It does feel a little fishy. fishy line. <laughs> yeah, I I jumped in the plus two and a half uh, uh, immediately for Kansas City. I I do like them to win the game. I don't mind having a couple of those points. It could be a one point game, a two point game, things like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's really weird. You would expect maybe it to with all that money coming in. You would expect maybe at this point on Wednesday for it to be a pick them. Uh, I, again, I, I don't feel like we'll see a lot of line movement. I think maybe, maybe one and a half across most books and, and maybe it's closer to a pick them, but I, I don't think that we're ever going to see AC favorite. Yeah. I, I, and I, I don't know how many people to be honest with you are even really p- spending much time on the point spread. I mean, right. It's a th- pick there's, the game, the I mean, you know, more experienced betters or big syndicates or whatever, they'll take the points and they'll run the numbers, but People are going to be betting on who they think is going to win this game. They're also going to be betting a ton of props. And I know the FTN prop shop, I'm sure, is working overtime this week. Fill people in a little bit on what the the tools you guys have at FTN. And then uh, if you would, uh, give us a few of your favorite props for Sunday. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll talk about the running backs. I mean, yeah, we have all kinds of tools like projections and, as I mentioned, pace of play and, and things like that. Our NFL betting model has been pretty solid in terms of totals in sides when you see like a 6% edge. But um, yeah, the prop shop is a really cool tool. It's like Google search. You can type in Christian McCaffrey and it'll show all the books available. Um, most of the most of the big books. We'll get cool bets on there hopefully here uh, pretty soon. But, you know, you can have save yourself a little bit of time and a little bit of cash. You see CMC at 88 and a half. You see him at 92 and a half at similar prices. Why wouldn't you take the the 88 as opposed to, you know, the 92? Um, I, I'm going to start with the two running backs. I'll, I'll start with CMC because we just talked about Kansas City's defense, the rush defense. 
um, 25th in yards allowed per carry, 27th in rush DVOA uh, when they're fifth against the pass. And I'm sure that's going to be the game plan here for Shanahan uh, for CMC. And we'll see if Spags and company can slow him down. But uh, most teams haven't been able to do it. 98, 98 rushing yards in, in the last two playoff games. The Lions, one of the better teams in the NFL at stopping the run. CMC was still able to get there. 37 carries in the two games. He's had 90-plus yards on the ground in seven of his last eight. And I'll go to Pacheco. I really just love this guy, man. He burned me last year in the Super Bowl and how hard he ran against the Eagles. Uh, but you got to respect uh, how hard he does run and the uses that he's had. Here in the playoffs, 63 carries, 250 rushing yards. He has a touchdown in each one of those games. He's averaging 21 attempts. He's had 15-plus attempts in 12 of his last 15 games. I like the over 15.5 rushing attempts for Pacheco. I like the over 65.5 rushing yards as well. In the regular season, this Niners run defense was stout. They hadn't allowed a, a running back over 86 rushing yards against them all year long. But in the playoffs, they've given up some big-time gains on the ground. Aaron Jones topped 100 on 18 carries. Montgomery had 93 on 15 carries. Detroit had over 180 rushing yards in that game. I Maybe you can speak more on Jarek McKinnon if he's going to be active or not. I don't think we know officially yet. But he's not going to be a guy that steals. Maybe he steals one or two carries out of the backfield. He's more of a third-down red zone specialist catching balls out of the backfield. So I really like where Pacheco's game's at. And, you know, maybe that's the game plan here is taking what the defense will give you. San Fran likes to play back, not give up any any big explosive plays. I'm not saying Mahomes is a dink-or-dunk quarterback, but he's a smart quarterback, and he will take what defenses will give them. And if they can have some success running the football on first and second down and the third down offense has been great and the third down defense hasn't been great for San Fran here in the playoffs. So that's where I think maybe the game will run. I be one and both backs, I think are going to be big time players. in the Super Bowl. You know, you mentioned McKinnon. I, I'm sort of with you. I mean, his, the, the, the quantity, I'm not sure that it's going to be there, but Andy absolutely loves him. He trusts him as well. And, you know, when you're talking about red zone, third down opportunities, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a look or two. Um, and that's why I think of anything I might go in on any time touchdown for Jarek McKinnon yeah, as opposed to, to as yeah, exactly as opposed to that. And I love, I love your prediction on Pacheco. Uh, I do have an 18 to one prop on Pacheco to lead the playoffs in rushing from Ooh. the beginning of it. And, you know, it was sort of the bet, like, obviously I'm a chiefs guy. If they can get to the super bowl, he's going to have an extra game than McCaffrey. Yeah. And I think he's yeah. got about a 65 yard lead or so. So as long as McCaffrey doesn't have a monster game and they kind of keep that close, um, that should be a, that should be a nice cash in addition to hopefully cashing a few on the game. That's a that's a great bet, dude. Uh, I'll be rooting for you that one. I like the yeah. way that it's steeping up for you. Yeah, you know what? It was it was neat. You know, they had a few just you know before the playoffs started. Who will lead the playoffs in receiving? Uh, yep. And again, at that time, you, know, you had the Miami game, but the Chiefs were. Definitely, you know, a shorter or a longer number than the uh, Bills were and the Ravens. And uh, you just had to take into account that with the likelihood that of a one seed getting there on the other side, if you have that extra game, it could end up being uh, advantageous. So we'll see how that uh, that plays out. I do want to ask, like, we know that Rashi Rice is going to get a lot to look. You know, Kelsey's going to be getting the ball thrown at him all day. Um, the rest of the Chiefs receiving core has been uh, unreliable, to say the least. MVS has emerged, though, with a couple big plays, just like he did last year in the AFC Championship game. 
Um, if we're looking outside of Rice or Kelsey with this with the Kansas City receiving numbers, um, is MVS the guy that we might want to look at an over or a little bit more action considering the way he's come through the last two weeks? Absolutely, Hustler. Yeah, we're on the same page here. I took the over 18 and a half. I think it's 19 and a half. I took this last week. I don't see it getting up much higher than this. Um, you mentioned the last two games. I mean, everybody has seen the drops and Casey leading the NFL in drops and the penalties. And that's part of why the offense hasn't been, you know, what we're used to seeing. Nobody's really been able to step up and a bit of a, a down year for Kelsey, even though a really good year and he's flipped the switch. And he's a playoff goat. Uh, but as for MVS, he's got over 100 yards uh, in the three playoff games, got 100 in the last two games in big spots, too. I mean, you saw Mahomes go to him to ice the game against the Ravens, 38 yards against Baltimore, 62 against Buffalo. His, his A dot average depth of targets, another tool that we I like to look at in particular when I look at some of these receiving yard props, it's 17.67. So that means his average target from Mahomes is 17 yards down the field. That's first in the NFL among wide receivers with 41 targets. He's a big play guy. He hardly leaves the field as well. Um, he had a long catch against Baltimore for 32. He had a long catch against Buffalo for 32. He had longs in the regular season of 21, 46, 37, 34. This 18.5, now 19.5 in some spots, is right at that average depth of target. Means he really only needs one grab to get to this number. You know it's going to be a big, big shot down the field at some point. And although I do think Kelsey's going to have a good game and Rasheed Rice, I've noticed and you've noticed for sure as well is that the last eight or nine weeks or so, once this offense started to turn in a positive direction, it's almost like Mahomes is like, you know what? I'm really just going to throw to Kelsey and Rice and we're going to run the ball with Pacheco. We'll take a couple shots here and there with MBS, but I know Sky Moore has been hurt. Kadarius Tony's been hurt and Watson had some drops, but it's really just been three guys and an, and MBS hasn't left the field and he's been getting some of those deep shots. So yeah, I do like that prop at over 18 and a half. You may have to sweat it out. It may be one that comes in the, in the second half on a third like down situation, <laughs> right? It may just come down to the final play, something like that uh, to ice the game. The Niners are really good at defending the deep pass, but I would imagine their focus is going to be on Kelsey. And I want to give some love to Kelsey too. I know you and your viewers probably know this is a chiefs guy, but my goodness, the 17 playoff games he's had with Patty Mahomes, over 130 catches, over 1,500 yards, and 18 touchdowns. That's like a full season, 17 games. That's 7.8 grabs, 89 yards per, and over a touchdown per. And his last 12 playoff games, even better than that, man. 98 yards per game, 8.6 catches, and over a touchdown. He's had 70-plus receiving yards in 12 straight games. His receiving yard prop is at 70.5. And I don't want to hear from anybody. I'm sick of hearing that the game plan will be to take away Travis Kelsey. Oh, the teams are going to take away Travis Kelsey. They can't take away no Travis. No one's ever thought of that before. You don't think that Baltimore tried to take away Travis Kelsey last week with Kyle Hamilton, one of the best young safeties in the game? He had 11 targets, 11 catches, 116 yards. That touchdown pass, what a beautiful catch and throw from Mahomes. Put it in a spot where only Kelsey could catch that. On the, like leaning back down by the ground, his yards per catch is up from what it was in the regular season. He has 23 catches on 27 targets for over 260 yards. I like the over six and a half. I like the over 70.5. You can do what you can to slow this guy down, uh, but 
we have a long track record here of good defenses as well trying to slow down Travis Kelsey, and it just has not been. It just hasn't been able to. Nobody's death, been able to do it. Death taxes and Mahomes going to Kelsey in the big right? moments. Uh, can't wait for Sunday. Uh, Chris, it's been great having you on the program. Uh, fill people in on uh, where they can catch uh, Mean Streets and all your content. Yeah, appreciate it, dude. Uh, mean Streets, we just uh, wrapped up a show today just talking about some fun props like this and some novelty props, and uh, that's three times a week over at our FTN YouTube page. You can follow me at Chris Meany, always tweeting those uh, episodes out. We have a hockey show twice a week uh, with Eric Young, Dangle Batselli. We're always talking NHL pucks, uh, bets, some props, and some fantasy hockey talk. We're giving some love to uh, Sean Monahan and the Winnipeg Jets. I think the offense will come around here uh, once now it looks like everybody's you know, starting to be healthy, Velarde and um, Shifley healthy and Ehlers healthy and get Monahan will uh, provide a nice little boost there offensively. So appreciate the time always. That's on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Dangle about Sally all shows uh, free to check out. And if you like a little bit of hockey talk, hang out with us on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern. At Chris Meany, check it out. Give him a sub and a follow. Dude, uh, have a great one. and Enjoy Super Bowl week. <clears throat> Yeah, you too. Good luck to your Chiefs, dude. We'll talk soon. <laughs> Thanks so much. There's uh, Chris Meany, one of our faves. And uh, yeah, it was a little different convo this year. Last year, he's an Eagles guy. I was a Chiefs guy. We were head to head. I do appreciate the support from my man Meany for, uh, for the Chiefs on the weekend. All right, we're not done yet. Uh, we talked about Brady and uh, Dalton Schoen being back. Well, guess what? Teddy Buckets is back. We're going to bring him onto the program in just a second. Uh, do want to give, though, a quick shout-out to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Gang, if you're thinking about an incredible fly-in fishing experience in Manitoba where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is that spot. Uh, incredible fishing and even better hospitality from the Aikens team and the Turen family. Find out more on booking availability for a personal trip, a corporate or business trip as well this summer at AkinsLake.com. And again, find out more on their Twitter and Instagram feeds at Aikens Lake. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, but yeah, big news today. The MVP is back. Let's welcome Teddy Buckets, the uh, re-signed Teddy Allen of the Winnipeg Seabears to WST. Teddy, it's great to have you on the show. What, uh, what's going on? What's up, man? Yeah, great to be on. Appreciate you having me on. You know, a good day over here, man. Finna come back to Winnipeg. Hey, it's a great day here. Seabears uh, fans all fired up as they should be. Um, first off, where, where are we? You're uh, you're overseas right now. Uh, fill people in on uh, where you're at right now. Yeah, I'm in uh, Leicester, United Kingdom. It's about two hours from London, playing in the British Basketball League. You know, there's I'm pretty sure there's a few there's a good amount of CEBL guys that play in this league, and uh, yeah, it's over here. Probably I got here like two months ago, so I probably played about. 10, 11 games, you know, had some had uh, some success so far. You know, team's doing well um, since I came. And, um, you know, I'm playing well individually. It's all going good. Well, I mean, that is great to hear. Of course, the uh, most important thing to fans here in the peg is uh, getting out for a, a second year of Seabrook's basketball. 
and most importantly, having you back on the squad. Uh, congratulations on the new deal. Fill people in on uh, how it all came together. Yeah, man. I mean, to me, it's not it's not a surprise. You know, I've been I had a couple of interviews already, and I said like, if I if I was gonna play in the CBL from pretty much now on, it's gonna be Winnipeg because you know when you have that inaugural season and um, you kind of open something up and it it goes so well, you know, you kind of feel like it's like your baby, you know. And uh, luckily, uh, I I got to be a big part of the team um, and the organization uh, getting off the ground, so. I kind of feel like I want to continue to see it through with all the other um, with all the other people top to bottom, you know. Um, and also, it's like the best fans in the CEBL, you know. It was a lot of fun playing and putting on for the city and watching how, how much the city embraced us. So, you know, getting back to that was important for me. Teddy, you mentioned, I mean, uh, just how much fun it was. And it really did seem like uh, not just the fans were having a great time, but the team as well. You actually had a little bit of CEBL experience in another market before Winnipeg. Feel people in on, uh, you know, getting your feet wet in the league and then moving to Winnipeg last year and the success that your team had, but also the success that the organization had with those big crowds and the support the Seabears got here in Winnipeg. Yeah, um, I, I, I did play for the Scarborough Shooting Stars for uh... – I'll say, what was it, six or seven games. Um, I came after summer league, the summer before last. I signed, you know, obviously right before the playoffs, probably like the last deadline. And we made it all the way to the chip. So I got a little taste of uh, the league. You know, I was starting, you know, I think I averaged like, you know, 12 or 13 with them. Um, you know, I was kind of like just kind of trying to fit in, my, you know, get in where I fit in. And I was telling you a little before we got on there, like it's so much different when you get to, come to a team at the beginning of the year and go through training camp and learn the system together and gel with the guys and everything. It just, it just makes for a much different uh, environment. And I feel like it, it makes you more comfortable and able to be, be, be who you are. So um, obviously, you know, Scarborough is a great organization. I appreciate them for bringing me to the league, but um, you know, for me, it was going to be Winnipeg for sure. That's, you know, like I said, we, we had the inaugural season and started something great. And, you know, I really wanted to be a part of what was going on in the future. You know, looking back, I mean, uh, what, 27.6 a game, six rebounds or uh, eight rebounds, I should say, and the player of the year. Um, like, did you, when you came to Winnipeg, did you have any idea just how great of a season might be on the table for you personally? Um, and how much... <laughs> of just everything going on around with the team helped you achieve the, uh, the great feats that you did last year as the top dog in the league? Um, I mean, I, I think it started really with Mike T, you know, the co head coach, obviously now he's the general manager. I think, you know, he had the vision for me before he would, he called me. I remember we FaceTimed a little before I was supposed to come out there. He was like, you know, we're, we're building this around you. We want you to come out here. We think you can be an MVP out here. And I mean, Obviously, I, I feel the same way about myself in any situation I'm in. But, like, when you have a coach bringing you in um, to, to to be that guy for a team, you know, it it obviously makes you, like, kind of lock in and be like, okay, not only it, am I knowing what I'm going to do, but my coach is on the same page as me. He wants me to, he wants me to do, do everything I can to help carry this team. So I think it kind of just set a good precedent for me to just come in and be a leader. And and I think I just thrived in that situation. 
you know, we've had had Coach Taylor on, and of course he speaks uh, very, very highly of you. Um, but all the players, and spoke about the experience that you all had here in Winnipeg last year as part of the inaugural season. What, what was it like being a Seabear and seeing those crowds grow throughout the year, um, way beyond basically what was happening in any of the other markets? And what sort of feedback did you hear from other players around the league about the sort of vibe that your team was uh, making happen here in the peg? I mean, yeah, uh, as far as the fans, unbelievable. You know, best fans in CBL by far, obviously. You know, we got the 10. They set the record for all 10 of the highest uh, attended games in the in the league's history in our 10 home games, which to me, that's pretty crazy. You know, like, it's not like the, that was the first or second year of the league. You know, it was five years. And to have all the top 10 slots in our 10 available home games is kind of crazy. It makes me... Uh, Real intrigued to see what it's going to look like this year. Um, and that's not a small venue that we were packing out either. So it, it was really great. The fans were unbelievable. And uh, it just it just makes you excited, you know, to come back to. And as far as the other players, they used to – I remember, like, we'll be in the game. They'll be like, man, this, this feels like the league. They'll be like, this is crazy. Like, just the setup, you know, they got the court side. They got music, you know. They're doing it real high level over here, over there in Winnipeg. So, I mean, everybody, it seems like a lot of people want to be a part of it. So I just feel lucky and blessed, you know, to be able to help start it out. And luckily that uh, they want me back. So I'll be back there for sure. Well, and coming back, and I'm sure some of your former teammates from last year's club will probably be in the mix as well. And we'll kind of stay on top of that. Um, but I imagine that, the want is there to come back. I mean, you know, we obviously saw what happened on the court, but from all accounts, I mean, the organization took very good care of you guys. You had great facilities, and uh, it certainly seemed to be a home run um, in all aspects for last season. Yeah, man, facilities, weights, uh, it's all top class, man. It's it's about the best you can ask for. It, it provides you with the opportunity to get better on and off the court as well as competing at a high level all summer. And I mean, besides, you know, kicking back with your family and just getting and training, you know, I don't see a much better way you could spend your summer, especially guys who, you know, love to hoop. Um, it just kind of, it kind of just shows like, it gives you a great place to come for the summer. A lot of guys had a great summer out there and they carried it over into their uh, seasons in the fall. So. Teddy Allen, a.k.a. Teddy Buckets, the CEBL MVP, is back with the Winnipeg Sea Bears and is back on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, the season ended quickly, and then, uh, you know, as is the nature of a league like this, everyone goes elsewhere. Fill people in on what you have been up to since uh, we last saw you on the court at Canada Life Center. Yeah, man. So after the season, uh, obviously went to, was able to go to the awards with a coach and Owner, Mr. Asper, Mr. and Mrs. Asper, um, and that was fun. Went back to um, Phoenix, where I'm from, and started just training right away, you know, have open runs, all that type of stuff, and was looking for uh, some different contracts, looking at some different things. I've actually switched um, agents since since uh, the season ended in Winnipeg, so because I had some issues um, with some contracts falling out and I kind of just wanted to switch up my representation, but as soon as I did, I signed with Lester, and I was out here, what, uh, early, 
or late December, I was out here. So up until then, I was just in Phoenix training, you know, seeing family, things like that, which I really, I feel like I really needed because I felt like I played, you know, I played all year and then the summer in Winnipeg. So kind of got a good reset and was able to come out here and um, hit the ground running out here. Like I said, been able to have teams, been teams been having success. I've been having my individual success since I've been uh, out here and, you know, just trying to keep it going trying to handle business out here and stay healthy, get ready for the summer. How is the, um, uh, how, how is the league overall? And uh, how much you're, uh, how are you just enjoying being overseas and being in, uh, in, in London or outside of it? Yeah. Um, the league, you know, there's, t- there's a lot of talent. It's, I mean, it's what I say. It's, it's what I always say, you know, if you're playing pro basketball. There's a lot of talent everywhere, man. You know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot less high level positions than high level players. So, you're bound wherever you're playing. This is why I always tell players, wherever you're playing, you know, you're going to come across a lot of great players. So I think it's no different, you know. Um, there's there's a lot of challenging teams, th- players in this league, and um, it's been good. It's been good. And I'm still just, you know, I'm still just getting uh, started here. You know, I've only, I haven't even played against every team in the league yet. So um, it's been good. Players are good. There's There's some other CEBL players that have played in this league. So, me personally, I'm just trying to continue to build my portfolio for uh, overseas and set up uh, future future jobs and things like that. So, and as far as like living out out here, you know, same thing. It's kind of just a business approach for me. You know, I'm just kind of trying to handle my business and uh, do the best I can, stay healthy, take care of my body, so I can just continue on in my career. Kind of just like focus right now, honestly. How's the food out there? And how different is it from what you're used to back in Phoenix or in North America? Oh, food. It's all right. You know, it's not. I don't think nothing's like your home, your home city. Um, it's, it's different. I kind of, like in Canada, I feel like the food, it, it's kind of like a lot like America, except it's like, it seems like it's less processed. Like I felt like, I felt a lot better eating like some of the same things. If you know what I'm saying, like I like I, I felt like like say I would eat like a burger or something in in Canada, but, but then I eat a burger in America. I felt like it wouldn't like drain me like as much. If, you know what I'm saying? And then out here, I feel like it's like a lot of like they, it's like a lot of like more like bready like carby options like you know cheese bread like things like that chips you know so. But, you know, I'm trying to just find my – I, I kind of try to cook for myself as much as I can. And, um, but, yeah, I mean, can't I can't be, complain. Can't be crushing fish and chips seven days a week and uh, still playing at a high level in the British Elite League. No, nah, you can't. You can't. You got to find the media for sure. It's, it's funny you mention the, uh, you know, some things like burgers being better here. Uh, it reminds me, I mean, Reggie Abercrombie, who was arguably the, the best gold eye of all time playing for the ballpark, would come to town and we'd talk to him on the show, and he would swear up and down that Wendy's in Canada was way better than the Wendy's in the States. And Andrew Collier, the general manager of the Fish, would pick Reggie up at the airport when he came to town. Reggie would go, take me straight to Wendy's. <laughs> he wanted to get on that Canadian Wendy. So maybe you've sort of, uh, you've dug down a little deeper and filled us in on the on the secret behind all of that. Hey, man, Winnipeg, Winnipeg has some good burgers, man. They have good burgers, good, uh, like, steak sandwiches. Like, that's, I feel like that was, like, the main thing I was eating out there, like, when I would go out. And like I said, like, 
I felt good. Like I didn't feel like I was eating like a burger, like how it would be like in America. Like I felt okay. I, I still got energy, you know. Hey, just before we go, I mean, you mentioned getting out. I mean, uh, how much did you enjoy being a Sea Bear and being in Winnipeg away from basketball? And uh, how did you and your teammates uh, enjoy it? And did you know anything about Winnipeg before you came here? Nah, I knew nothing at all. You know, I had no idea what to expect. Like, I usually just go into my situations, like, because it is my job. So I go into situations like, hey, I'm just, this is where I got to go to do my job. And I'm going to just go from here, you know? And, it, it turned out to be great. You know, the fans, they, they even have us out at, uh, you know, Bomber game. Uh, what's it called? Goldie, Goldie game. Goldies. Yep. Goldies. 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 Yeah, they have us at the Goldies game. And, uh, you know, every every time we'll, we'll, we'll go out, you know, people would always be recognizing us, you know, talking talk about sea bears and, and all that. So, for me, it was great. It was a great place to be over the summer. You know, I'm really excited about coming back and, you know, the fans out there are unbelievable. So just really excited to get back out in front of them and just be back. You know, it was a family environment last year. You know, that was kind of like our little motto, you know, family. So um, it'll be fun to be back out there for sure. Well, hey, uh, everyone's hoping that uh, a lot of the family is back together and uh, maybe the most important cog, the MVP, is back. Hey, in the British Elite League, do you guys play the target score rules like we do uh, have here in the CEBL? Nah, no target score. It's regular, you know, regular, regular. What's you know? your take on that as a player? I mean, you've obviously played in so many different leagues and different levels. Um, do you prefer the target score to the regular, traditional time basketball that we'd watch in an NBA game? It's definitely um, exciting, you know. I feel like if if the NBA put the target score in to their, uh, to their system, or their, if that's how they played, it would be, it would be crazy. Because, I agree. I, I loved it. I, I was not exposed to it before, but I absolutely loved it. Uh, but just interested in from your perspective as a player. Yeah, like it It doesn't – like when you first hear about it, and you're like, man, what is this? Because it's like it's not, it's, not a, it's not what you're used to, right? It's, it's unusual, and you're like, this isn't even real basketball. But then when you play in the game, you realize how much of a – how much more competition it brings because it's like the game within the game, right? Yeah. Like you're playing the whole game and you're like, man, we got to be, we got to be up more this time or we got to be down less by this time because once this time comes and then once that time comes, it's a whole different game. Everybody's, everybody's more locked in. You know, it's hard. Like if you're up eight, that next nine is going to be, guys are going to be tight for that next nine, you know? And if, and if you're down eight, you're like, Hey man, we got to tighten up. On, we got to tighten up on the other end if we want a chance at this. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like old-fashioned basketball, you know, like we're going to 11, ones and twos, first one to 11 wins, and, you know, that's when guys really compete. So I think it's, a, it's, it's definitely a fun, it's definitely a fun um, rule, and I think, it, I think it encourages a more competitive game because it's not over until, until you end the team. And when you have talent out there playing, you know, it could take a lot to end a team, and you can get real special moments from those those games i mean every game i mean you're getting a winning shot and uh, I, I was very interested to see how it would work for the first time going to a game and um i mean pretty much you were guaranteed to see something special night in and night out in the cebl well we'll look forward to uh, many special nights with you and your teammates teddy a quick message for seabear fans uh, about the upcoming season and uh, your return yes sir yes sir
Great to have you on the program, my friend. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you back in Winnipeg when uh, the season gets going. I appreciate you, man. Shout out to all the CBS fans, man. Can't wait to get back. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cannot wait for Seabears season, and uh, great to know that Teddy Buckets is back. Um, Reem, had had to go down the, the food rabbit hole with him. I, I was wondering, now having not been to England uh, before, but, I mean, they don't have a great rep for food overall. Um, but he had some great takes, and listen, as I mentioned, it was just like Reggie Abercrombie talking about how much he liked the burgers better here than south of the border. It was kind of similar. Similar. I mean, a lot of people flying the takes in our chat right now saying how much better the fast food here is than in the States. And the one thing for me, when you go to the States, they just give you like the most ridiculous portion. Uh, I used to go to a cheesecake factory, uh, notorious for the portion sizes. And yes, uh, the fast food, definitely different. Uh, Wendy's here. Very, very elite uh, in terms of fast food. So I did enjoy that from Reggie Abercrombie. But great chat with Teddy and learning a lot about. It was awesome. Yeah, man, I'm learning a lot about the world of professional basketball. I know here there's what the NBA and the G League, but there's a lot of other leagues, you know, all across Europe and the world. You know, who it was in Marbury, it was in China for a yep. bit. But uh, the Canada's got their own league, CBL, and. People are talking. They know Winnipeg is the place to be. And it, it, I agree with him. It did feel big league going to the games. They got the smoke coming out of the, what, coming oh, out of the so basket. Much fun last the, year. The that... production was awesome. I mean, the, the fans for that playoff game was an incredible atmosphere. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what they do for year two. So great to have the MVP back in the lineup. I loved his take. On, like, if you put the target score in the NBA, yeah. how awesome that would be um i really didn't know what to expect going to that game for the first time and trying to wrap my head around exactly how it worked having you know only watched traditional timed games in the past uh it 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 completely completely took the entertainment level i think the suspense the drama the end of the games to another level and uh was another one of the takeaways but yeah go to the sea uh, bears website get your tickets for the upcoming season because Buckets is back, and we'll see if he can go back-to-back as the uh, as the MVP of the CEBL. Uh, before we get out of here, let's take a quick look at the cool bet lines. And uh, tonight in the National Hockey League, we've got three games. The uh, Tampa Bay Lightning are in New York to take on the Rangers. Rangers had that big OT win on Monday night coming out of the All-Star break against the Colorado Avalanche. And uh, I guess for a night we'll be Leaf fans because the Leafs are at home to the Dallas Stars. Toronto, a minus 132 favorite. Dallas plus 112. Uh, should have mentioned uh, Rangers minus 120 home faves. Lightning plus 102 on the money line on the road. Uh, and then the Minnesota Wild, who will be here in a couple weeks, taking on the Chicago Blackhawks at plus 180 for the Blackhawks as the home dog 
wild minus 217. And as we talked about with Chris Meany, we've had a slight, slight move from uh, plus 112 to plus 110 on the money line from uh, for the Chiefs. Spread still two, and the total has not moved at all. 47.5 all week long. That's where we're at right now at Cool Bet. But if you go there, click on the game, you will see uh, all of the props available. And uh, myself, Dustin Nielsen, Jake and Pat from Cool Bet will be jumping in and getting on all of our favorites tomorrow and on Friday in the lock shop. Uh, it was a great segment with Meany. He's always a really interesting guy to talk about. And uh, it's definitely, if you're into wagering or prop betting in particular, uh, an incredible resource of knowledge. I'm a big fan of Meany. Follow his uh, NFL content for fantasy and uh, DFS and all that. So a pretty knowledgeable guy. But also, uh, you know, he's Canadian, so he's up on the NHL as well. He's got a great show, as he called Dangle uh, Bet Selly. So I enjoy following him. He's got some good tidbits there on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter. Yes, indeed. Well, I'm going to uh, dive into a few of these props after the show today, and uh, we'll uh, let you know what we're uh, thinking about on uh, tomorrow's uh, Cool Bet Lines, as well as a quick pop-in for me on Friday before I uh, turn the keys over to Reem for the rest of the day. Uh, one more game. We'll get Connor in. We'll go head-to-head on the show before the weekend uh, and Super Bowl 58. But it's all there at Cool Bet. If you haven't played there before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. Um, great show today. Hopefully Friday, it'll be a much more uh, energetic crew here. Um, happier because the Jets get back in the win column. Uh, practice today, still waiting on the Brendan Dillon decision as to whether he'll be suspended. Uh, and if he is, it looks like Logan Stanley's going to be uh, playing with Nate Schmidt as the only other defenseman on the club now that Declan Chisholm is in Minnesota. We'll have that for you tomorrow. Uh, we'll also have Marat join us. Really looking forward to that. And the latest from the morning skate is the Jets get to Philly to take on the Flyers before coming back for that big Saturday night game at home against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, thanks to Teddy Buckets. Thanks to Chris Meany. Scott Billick and John Hodge for jumping on the program today. Uh, have a great night, everybody. And uh, we will see you tomorrow live at 1 p.m. right here on YouTube and later on in the afternoon for the uh, podcast version for your drive home. Have a great one and thanks for hanging. Oh my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.